Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender HD. You can follow me on Twitter there. I'm the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, the 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me this week as Eric Bimefour continues to uh, post his best ball screenshots. Eventually, he'll run out of entries and he'll be back on the show, uh, bringing on some other great DFS players. Although I, I think I think this this gentleman will be a little bit more humble. Uh, <laughs> former former NFL Millie Maker winner from last year. It's uh, Neil Orfield, NC Orfield 8K on DraftKings and FanDuel and Player Q DFS on Twitter. Uh, Neil, would would I be would I be right to say that? That your 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 success, you're much you're much more humble than most DFS players. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, like, maybe it you seems get like that on from Twitter, Twitter. You're like, well, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, you're more you're more likely to say that you get lucky, or well, you go you go through your results and you're like, wow, if I get rid of my like top like three or four finishes, uh, I didn't make any money. You know, I mean, like it's like yeah, I, yeah. like yeah, just putting that perspective of like it's not like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Screenshot, screenshot, right. screenshot. That 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 on Twitter, uh, similar to me and similar to other some other sharp players, we give a, l- a little bit more realistic perspective on on play playing DFS for for I don't I don't know if this you know this is would be considered your primary income, but at at, at least it's a good portion of it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say that's more me processing, like processing the results, understanding that. Uh, that I'm getting a lot of my DFS income from, you know, from single days here and there. Like it's, it's not all coming at coming day to day uh, and just sort of trying to figure out, you know, it's just interesting for me to, to look at my results. So I don't know that it's necessarily me being humble, but I, I do also understand that I'm not the best DFS player out there. I, I feel like I've got a lot of room to grow in the DFS space. So, um, so yeah, you can call it humble if you want. I don't know if <laughs> if I if I necessarily would. I think there's a lot more a uh, lot a lot of humble players out there. But I, I think I'm a good DFS player. So I'm not like I'm not trying to cut myself short either uh, in in doing these analyses. It's just kind of understanding that yeah, you do day to day when I win, I'm I'm absolutely getting lucky that day. Um, but I do think I have a you know pretty good process. I think that I'm a, a good DFS player. I just don't think that I'm uh, you know the best of all time. With that said, I am not a former uh, millimaker winner. I am still a millimaker winner. Oh, you're, 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 well, former <laughs> in the past, it's happened. Not, not, not yeah, you're yeah. not currently leading the millimaker because that's there's true. That's going true. On right now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I'm just saying that you understand like, like good players that like when you play GPPs, like you're, you're the, the whole goal is to play well every day and over the course of a year, two years, three years, whatever, some longer period that, you're putting yourself in the position every day to win yep. first place, and you're positively expected to be profitable on yeah, a long-term absolutely. basis on a day-to-day. But the the realization of that is going to happen two or three days a year, and the difference is is that you don't know which two or three days that's going to be. Yep, exactly. Yep, hundred percent agree with that. Right, it's you're just, not going uh, into you're not, you're rarely going into a day for like MLB or NBA or even Sundays for NFL which is obviously you only get so many weeks of that. You're right. not going in going, this is the, like, this is the week I win the Millie Maker. It's no, I'm going to just going to play, I'm going to play 18 weeks of the Millie Maker. And if I play well, 
maybe in once in my 14 lifetimes, maybe I could hit first once. Right. I'll give that a, I'll give that a mostly agree because I definitely go into slates where I'm like, I'm going to win today. Like, I know I'm going to win today and I never do win those days. But I definitely have those days where I'm like super confident. Like, this is when, my day. When are those days? Like, to me, those days when I'm super confident are the days where, like, I take a look at projections. I take a look at ownership and I see clear spots where, like, this team's going over owned. This team's doing vastly under owned. I'm yeah. I'm I'm like I'm playing 100 lineups. I'm playing like like quarter of the lineups. I'm playing like this team that like almost no one's playing, and you're yeah. like, Profit City, and then yeah. then then the chalk team, the chalk, the overown team, right? You know, is is you know, yeah. Austin Meadows two home runs, and it's like at thirty seven percent on, and you're like, like, but that's that that's not that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's those days where I just I feel like there's a real edge. I think uh, a couple days ago, the day slate where Max Scherzer got scratched. I was like, slam the Orioles. Like nobody's gonna have the Orioles because he was, uh, because they were going against Max Scherzer originally. Now they're going against John Lester. I feel like you can, you can hit John Lester. You can get out of that. You're in Baltimore, and I just slammed in the Orioles. And I was like, I am gonna crush this slate. And then of course the Braves put up like 15 runs, and you know a couple other teams did really well. The Orioles were fine. They, I think they had a few home runs. But yeah, those are the days where it's just like you know that the field is not gonna get to where they should be on certain teams just based on the way things have developed. And uh, sometimes it works out, but usually it still doesn't. The problem, the problem with that though, like from, from most DFS players who play regularly play like based on a percentage of their bankroll, right? They're like, I'm going to play X percentage and that moves up periodically. Now, obviously DraftKings and FanDuel's dual, like they, they stagger their contest offerings. Like certain days, they have the super knuckleball. Some days it's the bat flip. Some day, I mean, like the contests vary. So maybe you you decide to like, oh, I'm going to play more lineups into this contest versus that contest. But for the most part, we we like, oh, I normally play fifteen hundred dollars in MLB, and and when I win, I go move up, and now it's eighteen hundred, or now it's twelve hundred. You go like that. But we don't really do what we're supposed to do, and play more when we believe we have a bigger edge, and play less. When we believe we don't have, like when you go into a slate and you go, uh, I don't see, I, I don't really don't, I don't see the, I don't see the leverage here. I don't see the, I like, seems like I'm just like, I'm like, in, I, it's almost one of those days where you feel like just inverting ownership. Right. It's just like, yeah, no. like one of those, like, I don't see anything that's like completely out of whack, but I don't want to play the two chalk teams together. Right. I don't yeah. want to play, you know, uh, the chalk uh, construction in NBA so it's like, okay, I'll, I'll just, whatever the ownership is, I kind of like inverse it. And it's like, I play less yeah, yeah. of the high owned teams and the more of, and then kind of spread it out. But right. really in the, on those slates, if, if everything is more efficient, we should be playing less volume. But the problem is, is that you don't necessarily know that until like an hour before the slate and yeah. you've already, and you've already entered everything and yeah. the lot the, and the contests are filled and you can't withdraw and even if you got to that hour and like I have a humongous edge and then you go to enter and all the contests are full and it's like 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 you can't get to the point where that happens so you yep. end up stuck do do you feel like like on on a lot of slates you're stuck in a well I guess I'm playing the slate cuz I'm playing the slate and I'm going to just do the best I can but you 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 almost feel like I'm going to build about the same type of lineups as other sharp players are going to build and just comes down to 2v2s, 3v3s, you take a look right. at, like, I take a look at results DB, and it's like, oh, kind of, 
everyone that I respect for the most part is kind of on the similar teams and similar constructions. It just obviously in baseball on like a 15 game slate, there's a billion different combinations and it just comes down to, you know, did you play like on that other slate the other night? I, 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 other day I played the Orioles and like, uh, do I play DJ Stewart or Ryan McKenna? And it's like, what, what, what are those? Well, McKenna hits a home run and Stewart doesn't. And, and it's right. like, I, I look at my small field lineup. It's like, uh, I, the difference between me coming in 12th and me coming in second was like, was with, I had money for both. I just, right. I just thought yeah. Stewart projected slightly higher and like, why not type of thing. And someone else had the 2% on McKenna versus the 7% on Stewart. And like, yeah. But like the, but, to me, those decisions like you, there's no edge in that. There's, there's just so, whatever happens, happens. And how do you deal on a day to day basis where you feel as if there may not really there there may be an edge, like as a whole, like the sharper players will always have an edge over the weaker players. Yeah. But in intermixed, like you don't feel like you, you're going to be that dramatically different from like twenty other people. Like you're not going right. to be that. You're going to look at Osimos. Uh, right, exposures yeah. and be like I'm a I'm a doing kind of the same stuff or brick and Rin Pack yeah. and 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 buzzard and with the Colts and and you kind of yeah. like well but none of you have the same lineups I mean like exactly because you could build eight million of them like uh, yeah there's just so many iterations right but yeah, how I mean, do you feel about like like is there a way to or do you even consider like well I have more edge on this lake should I play like more yeah. or less should i play more in the 555 the, the should i i mean like like how yeah. how would you do that no i i don't know and i, I don't know if that's a, a leak in my game it's something that i think about like because you you hear sharp players talk about it all the time the like you need to adjust your exposure based on the slate but that's pretty hard to do because a lot of your uh a lot of the edge comes pretty late so it's hard to adjust right to imagine imagine nba news giving you edge yeah imagine like nba like how is that possible yeah, right. Because we so see some slates in NBA where there's massive, ed- you know, someone gets oh, yeah. scratched seven minutes before lock, and you're like, like no one, no one's going to adjust enough. And yeah, yeah. Like if it was five hours ago, sure, yeah, Kawhi's out. We all know, and we we yeah. start jamming in, you know, Terrence Mann or some bullshit, right? But like yeah. right seven minutes before lock, because even the, I mean, late swap is obviously a massive edge because people don't yeah. do it enough. But imagine you knew on NBA which nights there would be those massive lace swap edges versus yeah, when mean, there wouldn't be like, if you knew you could slam in entries everywhere, you everywhere you can find them. Uh, I think so. So the way I play, uh, I guess I'm sort of the opposite of you and that I am not nitty at all. I mean, I, I also don't play, I guess the 40,000 a night that some guys do. Um, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to max out the contest basically every night and hope that an edge kind of reveals itself later on. I mean, that's, uh, that's how I play. Are you, are so. you maxing out the mid stakes also? No. Tip, typically, I'm just maxing out the, whatever the biggest contest is. On okay, so 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 that's all. Annual. So is that all? You, so you're not playing like a single entry. Like you're not playing like on DraftKings, like no. the 121 or the four max 250. I do. Playing? So I I do adjust and play uh, some of those uh, some nights. So some some days I only max out the big contests. Uh, Typically for me, so this is kind of bad practice, but uh, after I've had a big win, the next day I'm going to play a little bit more. <laughs> I, I know that there's not really any good reason for that. It's just like, hey, I'm on I'm on a heater. I'm going to keep it going. Also, I've got, you know, I, I feel good. Like I've got the bankroll. I feel safe. And then if I'm, if I'm on kind of a, a losing streak, then I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to max out these contests and that's it because, you know, you, you kind of want to stop the pleading at that point. Um, so, yeah, there, there's no real logic to what I play 
usually in terms of like which contests I play. Um, but like yesterday and the day before, so I've had pretty good months. Uh, I lost a ton of money <laughs> the, the past couple of days. Just like, man, I played way too much, got in over my head, uh, pressed my luck and did not work out for me. Uh, but there's a value in taking shots. I, I'm not, I'm not right. against take, like I come across as nitty, but I'm not, I'm not like super, I mean, I'm not right. super, super nitty or anything like that, but you're playing enough to make money. <laughs> right, right, so right. I'm not like uh, the volume that I play is, is, is high enough. And the lineups that I play are not nitty. Oh, like, yeah. I could, no. I consider I play more crazy lineups than anyone else. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm looking to win first by myself, you know, especially in like the MMAs and the, and you know, the stuff where there's so much duplication and showdowns. I saw that you were right there this week in MMA, right until the end. You were in yeah, but not, tie for a second. It, it, I mean, what? It's, it's someone from the main event fight is not going to score 60 points. I mean, come on. Like, right, yeah. Like, like I look, I look at people like, oh my God, you're going to hold, like, dude, like yeah. I'm rooting, like I'm, I'm in, I'm in another discord. I'm rooting. I, I said before the fight, I said, I'm rooting for an I poke no contest. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could happen, right? I'm yeah. looking for a doctor stoppage. I'm looking for, you know, something or other. But I mean, I was in that position, the MMA last year uh, for, for the Millie Maker. Uh, I was tied for first with three people. So it was like 360 something, 390,000. And that was the Usman fight. And like, I, I, I had all my, I didn't have the main event. And Usman, like, the, the next lineup was like 94 points. So it's like, that's at least a realistic shot that, oh, you know, sure. a main event yeah. fighter. And then he started like clinching. So I'm like, they're not, this is the past scoring system. So those clinch, you didn't get control time for. So I'm you're like, over my head right now, just for the record. Oh, okay. I don't, so, I don't do enough MMA to really know what you're talking about. Right. Oh, so the scoring <laughs> the system scores. and everything. Yeah. No, yeah. But, but I'm saying like people were rooting for like, oh, if Usman, it's like, dude, the ch- based, based on, on, on like even just rudimentary projections, like Usman in, in, cause obviously any place Masvidal and also obviously those lineups are like 90 points behind also. So it's right. like the odds of neither fighter scoring 90 points in a five round victory is right. like, like 3%. It's like, yeah. so it's like, yeah, I do have a chance, but like 97% of the time, like I'm going to get blown. I'm not only not going to come in first or third or whatever. I'm Cause now we have all the ties that get you there. Yeah, yeah. And now you're, now you're in 57th place for God, for nothing. Right. Still, you, you take those odds any day. 3%. At, sure. Yeah. Right. I had 3% shot at that 360,000 or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. But it's like, I've been in that position and I mean, cause that's so linear. You get to see it. It's not like, it's not like other sports where so much stuff is going on at the same time, but getting back to it is that I'm, I'm no problem, you know, playing weird showdown lineups and weird, MMA lineups, leaving 2000 on the table or anything. But right. when it comes to the contest selection though, like I, I, I'm, I'm big into looking at the, the payout structure. And although I do take shots at, at the large field stuff, like I'm less likely to 150 only because I, I, me, my, my rule of thumb, it may not be the best rule of thumb, but it's at least a rule of thumb for me is that I, I, I want to take a look at what 10th place is. And okay. I don't want my total entries into the contest to be more than what 10th place is. So like if first place is a hundred thousand and 10th place is a thousand. Yeah. Like that's a, such a heavy thing. It's like, I, I, I don't want to come in 10th place with one lineup and lose money. Yeah. Right. No, some people that. don't give it. Some people don't give a shit, but it's like, so yeah. how do I put in 1350 bucks or like the bat flip, right? The bat flip when it's $18. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that's, that's $2,700 to max. And it's like $2,700 is like, that's like fifth place. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> right. Yeah, so I'm not like, a fan you, the- so you you when you play that many lineups like that, you you have to make you have to make sure even more that your lineups have first place equity because now you're going to be even bleeding more money along the way. So that to me, that's where I'm nitty. If the contests were flatter, I'd be much more inclined. Or when they run right. the mid, like sometimes the 88 one on on uh, on DraftKings, I prefer. Probably I'm the only one that does. I prefer when the $88 contest or the 66 or whatever that mid stakes is 20,000 to first and not 50,000 to first. Yeah. Cause, cause, I'm not. Cause the payout structure, <laughs> Neil, the payout structure when it's 50 is 50 and second place is 15,000. Oh, I know. Yeah. Right. Like, like that drop from first to second, I'd rather a 20,000, 15, 10, 7,500, 5,000, yeah. 4,000, 3,000. Now, now I don't mind playing five lineups into that. Like I'm not maxing it or yeah. anything, but I'll play five lineups. But when it's, I, would, 50, I mean, but like, but those contests, it's like I look at that that day and I go, well, I guess I'm not playing an eighty eight dollar entry now. Now I'm not yeah. playing that. I'm I'm devoting. Yeah, I'll play the one twenty one single entry. I'll play the two fifty four max. Like those, those are like staple contests for me. I'll play yeah. if I'm playing a whole bunch of lineups into the large field. I'll also play twenty lineups into the moonshot. Whatever, it's three thousand right, right. the first. Whatever, but that three thousand at least is more than the amount of money that I'm entering that day. So it's like, yeah, yeah I won't play contests where it's eight hundred dollars the first. For two for, for for five bucks, because yay, one lineup came in first and I lost money. I'm like, like because yeah. what I also do is I don't play. I only I only play unique lineups. I'm not sure. Right. I may Me be too. one of. Do, do you, the you do you do that as well? Okay, I haven't yeah, heard I, a lot of. I haven't heard many people that do. Yeah, I know. It seems like all the pros just make their 150 and enter it everywhere. But yeah, if I. Some days, I mean, I've been playing golf, just like trying to chase that sweat, and I never get it. But I end up making 320 PGA lineups because they keep making the contest with the big first place first place prize and low entry fee. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep entering PGA, and one of somewhere, I'm bound to get something through a six out of six that's competitive, and I never do. But I throw in like I, I've played 320 different unique lineups, trying to chase it sometimes. Right, but uh, I, I feel like if you're if you're playing regularly, that reduces your variance so much more. Yeah. Than playing right. one li- like like I see so many people that play one lineup into like twelve different single entry contests, and when yep. they win, obviously all the contests are mostly correlated to one another. Yeah, like it looks like wow, they were you, you, you fifty extra money or whatever. It's a nice I'm, screenshot, yeah. Right, it's a nice screenshot, but like they're all related to one another. I view it in a way of like if I if I was entering into fifteen single entry contests, I'll make a single entry type of lineup, you know, one that g- leans more towards projection. I don't need as much of an ownership discount. I mean, you only, you only have to be 500 people or whatever. I'm just looking to win one of them. I want 15 shots at winning one of them rather than right. one shot at trying to win all 15 at once. To me, that yeah. makes more sense, especially since we don't have, you know, 17 lifetimes to play DFS where yeah, exactly. those swings, like you, you don't, you don't, you don't mind that. So I think we're I both think on the be- same page for that. Yeah, we are. We are on the same page with that. I think that I would be more inclined to do the like just 150 set if I were playing those contests where it's not as much to first because I don't want to have that regret. I think that's a big thing for me. It's like I never enter a contest where like the prize is 10,000 uh, at most unless it's like a, you know, day slate or a shorter slate where like that's the, the best you can do. Uh, and I think that's maybe it's not the best reason, but I just don't want to have that regret of like, man, I have that lineup in the wrong contest. Uh, so I basically only play contests that I'm going to be excited if I win. Is kind of my well. I mean, I, the I, way I, that I approach it. I I do Which, the same thing. It's just that my probably my threshold of excitement is lower than yours. Right, right, right. <laughs> Mine is like I mean, it's, as long as I could win more. As long as I could win more than like double what I put in, 
for first yeah. place. And obviously, if you're playing a whole bunch of lineups, it's not like it, it's it's rare that like oh that's the one lineup and all your other lineups don't cash. But I mean, you do right, have right. you do have some of those. You do have how how why the hell did you play that guy? You know, like dude, he was in yeah. one of one fifty and he had yeah. forty two two home runs at one percent yeah. owned. And it's yeah, like I didn't want, call that. They say? just happened to fit in that lineup. Yeah, exactly. So I want to go back and say, yeah, ten thousand dollars. I'm not saying that ten thousand dollars doesn't excite me. Ten thousand dollars would be disappointing to me if I uh, would have made fifty thousand if I had played that lineup in a different contest. I guess so. Like that's where the threshold changes. Like ten thousand dollars, sure, I'll take ten thousand dollars any day, um, but not if I made the mistake of playing that lineup in the wrong contest. And so because Is I that played a mistake, it in the wrong though? contest. Right, that's good. Well, you, that's you, good question. You, you quote mistake. It's more, it's more yeah, unluckiness, yeah, right. not yeah, mistake. Exactly. Yep, that's absolutely right. Well, it's the same. It's the same thing with like the Millie Maker. Like I, I typically don't play in NFL, like right. the Millie Maker. Like the slant that when I won the slant last year, like that lineup would have came in second in the Millie Maker for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. And people, people are like, aren't aren't you aren't you upset that it would have come in that you would if that lineup was in the Millie Maker. And I'm like, what? What's there to be upset with? I literally was not even playing the Millie Maker, right? Like, at least yeah, you're that's... at least you have the like. If you're gonna do all uniques, like when I do, like the if I put in the the twenty max in MLB, I'm doing twenty uniques there. And if I win, that's a three thousand dollar win. If that lineup was in the the bat flip for a hundred thousand, then it's like, oh well, I was playing both contests, and that lineup right. happened to be in the lower stakes one. Darn, yeah. that sucks. And yeah, right. I I understand that type of regret. I I, yeah. I don't mind that regret as much because at least you know I'm winning money, uh, but like I have literally no regrets over oh that lineup would have won some other like oh like people that play the mini max which probably the mini max is probably yeah. the hardest contest to win because right. it's the yeah. biggest one like if you yep. win the nickel on Fanduel with a hundred and God knows how like the when they run those contests and you're like well if you had that in the main if you had that in the millie maker you would have won a million dollars it's right. like well were you playing the middle like like I yeah. I. If I'm not playing it, I made the conscious choice of this is a negative EV contest. I play when there's right. satellite tickets or something like that, that I, I feel no regret that even if I would have come in first in the Millie Maker, I would have been like, why couldn't this this be the, the week that I decided to play 120 lineups in the Millie Maker? It's like, dude, I would yeah. have never, like, like, yeah, it would suck to go like, wow. I Like there was one week, I think t- two years ago, I believe, I, I can't be sure of this. Okay. I believe I, uh, a half an hour before lock, I swapped away from a lineup that would have won the Millie Maker. Why can't you be sure of that? Because you don't remember what your lineup was exactly? Uh, not exactly. It was, it, was, it, was, okay. it was a slate, I think, two years ago where Rex Burkhead went off at like I 2% had Rex, I remember that day because I had Rex Burkhead. Okay. But it was also a day where Philip Lindsay went off. Okay. And Daniel, Daniel Joe, the giant stack was the winner. Like, Daniel Jones and something like it was, it was a slate where there was a running essentially uh, Rex. Like it was like before lock Rex like one of the Patriots running backs was out like inactive. Yep. Yep. So it made Burkhead more of a play. So I was shoving in Burkhead into lineups and one of the lineups I had Burkhead and Lindsay already in there. And I swapped out of like Lindsay to pay uh-huh. up. So I'm like, oh, I already have Burkhead and his ownership is going to start going up now. Not that much. I'm going to take out Lindsay, put in like a 6K 
running back and switch a wide receiver. Like I did something like that where I took out Lindsay from a lineup and it was a Daniel Jones lineup and Daniel Jones, that giant stack was like 1% owned and, and I was playing the Millie maker that week and that lineup, that specific lineup came in like, I think 16th place. Oh, wow. Like that exact line. But that's a lineup that had a running back that only had like 12 points while Lindsay had like, like 28 that week. And I'm looking at, if I didn't make this swap, I I think I would have won first by like seven points or something. Well, it's good to not know, I guess, in that case. Well, well, but I'm saying, (laughs) I say, I obviously I remember that now. Yeah. And it kind of, you, I, I'm still prone to the emotion of like, I, I think, I think I, I think I had it, but I didn't. But like, the logical side of me is like, well, the decision that I made at the time to switch that lineup right. is, is that it was that the correct decision to do? And I go, had I, if, if I didn't know how the slate played out, like I, I still would have done that. Like I still got to keep making those same decisions. Right. They don't I, work I, out I would, sometimes. Right. I mean, it's brutal when it's for a million dollars when it would have been a million maker winner. That's kind of the, you know, other than that big exception, it's like you keep making that right decision over the long haul. It's going to be, you're going to make more money making that decision. Now, not making a million dollars one time for most players, that's going to be, you know, it's going to wipe that, that whole thought process out. <laughs> but, uh, but in general, yeah, I mean, you got to keep making those, but it, I still tilt all the time about when I made a decision that I'm pretty sure was the right decision. And then it goes wrong. I still, I still tilt about that. Well, so tilt I think that's, but I tilt that's about, human nature. To me, the only things that I, I really tilt about are things that I can control. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll tilt about, uh, fucking up a CSV. I'll fill, I'll, I'll tilt about, yep. you know, not having enough uniques in a showdown and be like, why the fuck did I, I, I look in and I see I'm playing a hundred lineups and like 80 lineups. I have like, they're 40 plus dupes. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, did I right. fuck something up? Like to me, I'm like, it has nothing to do with results. I, I think, didn't you tweet like, like a week ago or something like that, that you, you, you accidentally had like the wrong picture and like, like more than 10% of your lineups. Oh yeah. Yep. That happened to me several times. Right. So apparently I've got, I've been uh, kind of making a lot of bad decisions and still getting lucky uh, this month. But yeah, it's, it's on uh, using fantasy cruncher for some reason, there's some, some issue there with the, uh, when there's a double header. So like players from pitchers from both games will make it into uh fantasy cruncher, the pool of players and show them as being starters. And I, you know, don't do enough research, I guess, to, to figure out who's the actual starter. So if I don't notice that I have two Mets pitchers in my player pool, I go out and I play 14% Steven Matz or something like that. But that, was, that wasn't that was even the worst. I think there was another pitcher that I had like 50% of a pitcher, might have been Max Scherzer, who didn't play like earlier that week. So yeah, I was starting to get pretty tilted with that. Uh, but didn't you win on that slate? Didn't you tweet out? It's like, I hope no one analyzes my exposures tomorrow. Yep, yep. <laughs> that, that was it. That was a unique one because I... You know, definitely had, I think even on top of Steve Metz, I think I had some batters who also weren't playing. So that was extremely lucky to make it through on that one to get, you know, some lineups that didn't have any of those those dead players in them and push one through. Yeah, but doesn't, to me, that to me that's worth tilting over. Like, just like you burned, like you basically just burned half, I mean, not all your lineups, yep. but you burned, so, like, it's just like, up, oh, you like, like 10% yep. of your lineups just got, just like, just you might as well just, Put it flushed it down the toilet. Thanksgiving last year, I think I played 70%. I think it was DeAndre Swift. It was some running back who was ruled out, but I just screwed up my CSV, and I still don't even know how I did exactly, but I ended up with 70% exposure to a running back who wasn't playing, uh, and I was 
heavily exposed that day because I was shortly after the Millie Maker. So I was, you know, feeling good, playing a lot of money. It's all, you know, it's all going to taxes anyway. So just got to keep playing it all, which I don't I don't think that logic actually makes sense. The whole like if you're up a lot, you should play more at the end of the year because you're going to have to pay taxes on everything because it kind of cuts both ways. Um, but but I follow it anyway because I want to play more. Uh, <laughs> and I played a lot that slate and had 70 percent. DeAndre Swift or whoever the running back was that wasn't playing. And yeah, that's uh that's about the biggest deal. Like when, when I figured that out, when you go in to look at your lineups and you're like, oh, this one looks good, and you click on it and you see there's an inactive player in there, that kind of like the the you know goes to the pit of my stomach that I'm uh not gonna have a good day. It's kind of a, a sinking sinking feeling in your stomach when you see that. Have you ever had it that you saved your you thought you saved your CSV and you uploaded the same one twice? Yep. Right. I think I mean, that's that, what that, to me that's a common one where you I have all dummy lineups in. I did that for one week in NFL. Thank God that lineup cash. Uh that uh because I play higher volume for NFL. And and you you cut and paste, right? You move it over, you put in your DK entries.csv or whatever the hell it is, and then yep. you forgot you forgot to save it. And then you like it's there and you upload it. And then so I so after after that one occurrence, what I do as a precau- I, I literally I do it every single slate. Anytime I upload to either site, I load it up on my phone to make sure that I see all the lineups that come in. Yep. And then I even I in typically that, do that too. Right. And in, in Excel, there's no. this warning message that comes up. I've I've maybe I have an old copy of Excel or something that it says like the formatting is whatever. It's, there's some yellow bar that comes up, and it only comes up when you save. So it says it's saved, but it saved it. It didn't keep all the format, and which I don't care. It's a CSV. But I know right. that if I see that bar, that means it did save because I, I, I've done it multiple times where I up, I, I'm uploading technically the same CSV that I just downloaded and lock hits. And you're like, uh, why do I have 170 of the same lineup in every in every contest? In it? So do you do you see that in your roto tracker when you look at your percent buckets? Because I feel like sometimes I look at my my roto tracker, the, the 1% bucket thing. And now this year, especially cause I've made those kinds of mistakes a few times this year, I'll see a big spike in the middle and that's where I accidentally locked in 200 of the same lineup. Right. <laughs> I mean, with a lot, with a larger that. sample size, those things will get diminished, but yeah, in a yeah, smaller right. sample size. Yeah. You'll see. Yeah. Like, yeah. You play 7 million lineups in the 42nd percentile. It's like, yeah, yeah I remember exactly. that day. Yep. <laughs> I remember that exactly. day. Well, uh, what leads you, because I think people people may ask. It's like you accidentally played pitchers and batters that weren't in the that weren't even in, like like you like you said like you didn't even do the research to know what pitcher was even pitching. Like right. I like I'm I'm a numbers person. I I build I you know I I don't need to do research because it's all there for me. Uh, when how do you get into the position of like not not knowing that inform like like so do you go do you go into a slate and just uh. First off, are you building your own model? Are you using your own projections? And okay. So, yeah, like, so, so, so I think people's question would be is like, because if you're building your own model, like you would know what the picture, I mean, like you would know that. Oh, yeah. That, that would right. come in through some data to. source or something. Like, so how do you get to the point where multiple times, like it's a half an hour over the so, slate and you accidentally have batters that aren't even in lineup? Yep. So I use uh, Osimo projections through Fantasy Cruncher. So I use uh, the Fantasy Cruncher optimizer on Osimo. Um, and so my, my process isn't the same every day. And I mean, 
even if I have the time, it's not the same every day. I think uh, those were days that I didn't really have the time to go through and, you know, adjust uh, pitcher exposure, that kind of stuff too much. So, and I, and I often don't like a lot of times with pitchers, I just like set it at a max of 30% or 40% uniformly across the pitchers, unless I see a pitcher that I really like relative to uh, their projected ownership. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, it's because I use Osimo's projections and because I use fantasy cruncher, I'm definitely not uh, going through and, you know, checking individual pitchers. Um, right. Typically. So Osimo's projections would have obviously the game one pitcher or a game two pitcher, like still with the projection, but for that game. Exactly. It would be the type of thing that if you select a slate or whatever, like you're still getting a number there. Because right. if, you, if you're doing it, if you're doing it with your own model, like you would see for that slate that like that guy would have a zero projection anyway. So the worst yep. case scenario is he's still in the player pool, but he'd never make a lineup. So it wouldn't yeah. matter. And typically with, with Osmos projections, you know, you don't run into those issues because they take players out of the pool. Sometimes with baseball, I find that I have to go in and do it manually, take out some some players, but I don't really, we don't need to get into that. Um, but typically those, you know, players will be removed if they're not starting, like they're not going to make the player pool. Uh, I think there's just one exception in Fantasy Cruncher. And I don't know if it's a, an awesome site issue or a Fantasy Cruncher issue, but with double headers, uh, players will make it into the pool who are not actually starting. And then, so it's it's on me to, I guess, be more careful and, figuring out when there are double headers but sometimes i think that was the day that i had 15 minutes to make all of my FanDuel and DraftKings entries so i'm really quickly looking through the awesome top stacks tool uh trying to figure out if there's any real edge for any of the stacks um and and making making my entries really quickly so when i don't have the time sometimes you just kind of miss that kind of thing so so you're more similar to me that you're 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 using publicly available Oh yeah, everything. Yep. So like it's, it's, it's same thing. Like I like like I I could make my own models. I could probably make these tools, but I could probably never make them as good as what's available. Now, obviously, yep. I'm using more roto grinders and Derek Hardy type of stuff. But I mean, I yep. look I look at awesome stuff. All I mean, like to me, my approach is that I'm if I'm using publicly available stuff. So like this this shows. To me, I think me and you, since you, because a lot of times, a lot of the guests that I have on on, on here build their own model. So like, it's, right. so to, for me to, to say like, well, how do you build liners? Well, well, they, you have your own proprietary process. You have your own yeah. model. You have your own automation. You have your own, you know, simulations and what, and okay. So there's not, there's, it's not unless you're going to explain that player. exactly yeah. what you do there, which you're not like, yeah. it's going to, it's going to be different. Me and you yeah. are using like, dude, you can subscribe to all these places. And you, even if you want to aggregate them and like, this is yeah. all information that is known. Yep. And we could still Absolutely. build build lineups based on that information that yep. are way higher expected value than other people's lineups. So like when people say it's like, well, you can't win with, you know, what, what's the point of projections? Because if everyone else has those projections, where's there? Where's there an edge? Like right. to me, the edge is is in no is the edge is in knowing that other people are looking at what exactly that you're looking at. Yeah, and then that's true too. and then de- deviating from that, because I find yeah, and you probably find on Osibo also. I mean, because I could say it about Roto Grinders for sure. That's why I'm, I'm not a big fan of doing the the pre lock type of shows. Do I play right. this guy or that guy? Do you know those types yep, of yep. things? That even on on any place that offers projections, that people still view them as predictions right. and not a range of outcomes, and they go, "Well, uh, Eloy Jimenez shouldn't be twenty five hundred dollars." 
So I got to jam him into every lineup and it's like, like it's a 15 game slate. And if he's going to be 20% owned is, yeah. does he make the optimal, does he make the, the winning GPP large field lineup often enough that you should be playing him in as a one-off at right. 20% ownership? And the answer most likely is no. Yet, right. yet in a vacuum, you'd say he's one of the best players on the slate. And like that, yep. that the difference of lineups, not players like you, like I look at your exposures and I just look at your exposures just so I can see what types of lineups you're building. Like whether or not right. you're above or below the field, I just want to see, you know, what types yep. of lineups you're building. Like it's, it's very, you may be on different teams or different, you know, up or down, depending on, you know, the projection and the, obviously ownership projections may be different from site to site. I adjust yep. them myself, you know, personally, cause I, I'll hear stuff throughout the day and I'll go, there's no way this team is going to be this low owned or there's no way you this adjust- team is going to be this oh. high owned. And I start adjusting cause I need the numbers to be at least somewhat accurate because I'm going right. to be building lineups based on those numbers. Uh, yep. But for, but for the most part, like, like you, you, like you won the Millie maker, you win NBA, MLB. I mean, you play large field contests where you need high scores. These aren't, these aren't yep. 80 man contests where you could pre- you could pretty much play the best plays with it and then have a two V two and win. Right. right? Yep. Like, like that's a whole different type of game. Like I consider large field and small field to almost be like, like, Stud versus Hold'em, like it's it's looks the same, but it really isn't. Yeah, uh, very different. That yeah, I mean that that I, you that you could you could still be a profitable player simply by like you said showing up 15 minutes before a slate and yep. building 150 lineups. Those are often my most profitable days, or the days that I don't really have the time, <laughs> but I just kind of like I know about what I want exposures to be, and I set them accordingly. Um, yeah, I mean everything. Everything that I use is publicly available. Most of it you have to pay for. Um, so right, but still public. So I mean, still me. a vet, like nothing that only you have and no one else does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and I, I subscribe to to all the sites. I mean, not quite all the sites. I definitely use Awesomeo primarily. I use their tools for for baseball, especially. I'm mostly mostly using Awesomeo. I'm using the top stacks tool, the top pitchers tool, and using that to craft my exposure percentages in Fantasy Cruncher, typically. Um, and then I also I subscribe to Roto Grinders. I use uh, I use Roto Grinders for both the the weather page, the Kevin Roth weather page, and then also Weather Edge. I really I really uh, sometimes find that pretty useful. Um, and yeah, so I I use tools from various sites, but for the most part, yeah, just using Osmos projections and adjusting exposures to try to get unique uh, lineup sets, unique stack sets. Um, yeah, it's all. But e- but even using, it's all available, right? But even using like roto grinders, like there's a value to going. Let's see what what roto grinders projects. Let's see what Cardi what the bat oh, yeah. has, and you go, oh, awesome! Like, based on the awesome projections, this guy doesn't project as well. But in the bat, like people are going to be playing Drew Smiley today. Like 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 it may not like your projections may not have Smiley. May not have him horrible, right. but not as high. You know, like those types of yeah. pitchers, those SP. And that's one of those things. Yeah. So if you have more time, if I had more time, so I DFS is not my uh, my nine to five. I, I have a full time job, uh, so I don't really have the time. But I feel like there is a lot of value to just running the same sims via other optimizers and their projections and seeing who you get a lot of. So yeah, if I if I had the time, I would for sure do that with with Roto Grinders, with you know, with uh, Saber Sim. I don't, I don't know all the different optimizers that are public available, but there are plenty uh, that also have projections in them. And that is, and I don't know if that's how. I really don't understand how 
ownership projection is done exactly. I know it's like you scrape sites for for mentions. No, I don't no, know if that's no. A I mean, you can do ownership it. projections just with the the ownership projections are going to be very geared towards the projections that you use. Okay. So like like also most ownership projections are going to be based around his projections. So like if a guy projects well, it's going to project for higher ownership, but on a, another another model maybe lower. So let, to me, that's the difference of you could use an optimizer. Like I, to me, I yeah. view optimizers as tools, not as like, oh yeah, for like sure. the project. I could change, I could load in Awesome's projections into lineup HQ on Roto Grinders and yeah. make the same lineups that, like, if if you put in the same settings into Fantasy Cruncher, I can make literally the same exact 150 lineups that you make. Right. But as long as I have the same numbers in here with the ownership and everything in there, uh, there's a usefulness in bringing in that projection and then running like I could run 300 lineups in lineup HQ and then I set a, a, a liberal max. Like I right. like, like as long as I know the highest owned of, of a batter or yep. highest owned of a pitcher, I go, I don't, I think uh, this guy, this hitter is going to be 24% owned. So I set the max on any hitter 24. And I think you Darvish is going to be 45% owned. So I set the max of, so I can only get 45% you Darvish, but then it starts yep. going to the next. And then you run 300 lineups and you go, okay, based on this outsider's projected set, this is how often these, Oh, I get way more of this guy, but if I use, you know, Cardi's bat projections, I only get 3% of this guy, but if I use Osmos, I get 12%, and if I use this other pro- these other projections, if I aggregate them, I get 8%, yep. like and then you could see and it's like, well, Roto Grinders projects them to be 8% owned. Osmo projects them to be 14% owned because it's all so, based on the projections, and then you find some middle ground, and then you go, "Oh, and then you know, uh, six thirty comes around and some late night lineup, and it's like, oh, the, the some cheap guy is in the Angels lineup, right, or something like. Okay, so so now now you got to change that. Like, you not it's not that much work. It's just kind of yeah, common yeah. sense. I don't have to be. Ex- I'm not looking to be exact. I'm so, just looking so to be the, about the Roto Grinders uh, optimizer. I, I don't know what it's called. What what Line is the name HQ? of the Roto Grinders? That's right. I do know that. Um, does it have projections, uh, ownership projections built in? Yeah. Like, can you see? So you can put Osmo projections into Lineup HQ and still see the Roto-Grinders ownership projections with what Osmo is. Oh, okay, that that seems really useful to me. I didn't realize that it had that in there. Um, well, you'd, you'd, yeah, have, you'd have to merge them in Excel first. Okay, you can't yeah. upload, you, on Lineup HQ, you can't upload, you, ha- you can only upload one file. So the file will include the projected ownership in it. So okay. it's, so obviously you take it from Osmo and then replace the column with the, from the Roto Grinders projections. I will or, say, or so I, merge. You say that it's based on uh, what you would get using that site's optimizer, but I feel like there are times with with Osmo at least that I'll get like forty percent Evan Fournier, and they'll only have an ownership projection of like two percent or three percent or something. So I feel like there are outliers sometimes where it's not. At least it's not entirely based on what their projections would give me. I feel like no, I, but I mean it's also based around like what popular what the correlation between lineups are. Like if this okay. like if everyone's paying up here and like an NBA especially, everyone's yep. going to pay up at center and power forward, which means Evan Fournier, although he's a good value, like is not gonna is not gonna be nearly his own. Although he probably should probably people are playing up at power forward and center too much. Right. right. So that's why you're getting so much more Fournier because you're kind of trying to do the opposite construction. 
And Fournier yeah. just happens to be the top point per dollar. So unless you limit him, he's going to be start jamming in. And you look and you see the point per dollar value is not that dramatically great. Like there's a whole different right. value. Like when we have these the three K guy playing point guard for thirty eight minute type of type of values, you know, you don't mind getting ninety seven percent of that guy, right? But Evan Fournier, uh, you don't you you don't want forty uh, percent of him, and you don't want to Google him. Right. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. But I mean, we, we, but we, when you, even in 15 minutes, like to, to me, cause I don't take that long to build lineups either. Like now, right. obviously I do a show every day at 11 o'clock yep. in the morning. So I'm at least taking a very bare basic look at the day slate yep. to begin with. I mean, a lot of my show is reviewing and then talking about strategy uh, especially at 11 o'clock in the morning, we don't even know what the confirmed starting lineups for MLB and NBA. It's worthless. I mean, yeah, NBA, oh, sure. I mean, at, at 11 yeah, o'clock yeah. in the morning, just might not, just might not even, even don't even bother. Uh, it's funny how much my, my process has changed. Cause I used to, I used to watch the awesome morning show and then I would watch the, the show before their live before lock show. And then I'd watch live before lock. And then last year it was like, man, there's really no point in doing that because everything changes so much. So it's like in NBA, you're, you're MLB, an hour. MLB, yeah, NBA. maybe not as much, but yep. NBA is almost like, dude, I, I'll, I'll wait till six thirty, like half an hour before, like, and even that is sometimes like you'll get, you will have some. You'll, at eleven, I'll do a show at eleven o'clock in the morning, and people are like, can you go over today's NBA slate? And I'm like, really, there's no point in doing that. It's like, yeah, like I mean, okay, the, based on what's currently here. Uh, here's the value play. Here's what most people are going to do. That and we talk about it. It's like, okay, if people are going to do this, maybe we should do that. May, let's see what the combinations are. If I'm going to play this guy on one side, then play the other guy on the other side. And then like one thirty injury report, three guys are out, one guy are sitting. Yeah. So now everything flips, and it's like the guy that I mentioned in the morning that was a value play is going to be one percent owned. And then at the five thirty injury report, two guys are out and three guys are sitting. Like, like so, wh- why are people even bothering? It like, just seems like a really inefficient use of your time to spend a lot of time on NBA in particular more than like an hour before lock because so much changes and it changes every it changes, you know, how much you're going to get of players. It changes, uh, you know, their their ownership projections. Uh, obviously, it changes projections for players. So, like, everything changes really quickly in that last hour and then even after lock. Uh, but obviously, you can't you can't wait until after lock to start. So, right. You know, I usually start. <laughs> well, you can. Hour. Hey. Neil, you can't if you like. Sometimes we have like the seven o'clock oh, game, yep. and you're not playing anyone in that game. Just leave it out, yep. right? I just do leave that it sometimes. out. Sometimes I, yep. I I learned that I learned that from Alex. I, oh, yeah. I I learned I learned that in my dummy lineup, I will always have players from later games. So in the worst yep. case scenario that I don't get my CSV uploaded in time, I could still make correlated lineups. Like in MLB, I'll have a five three from the late games. Right. Right. Or something or an NBA. Like, uh, it'll be like, like, well, if I'm not playing the Indiana Memphis game much, like what's the yep. worst case scenario, I miss out on like John Morant or something. I mean, like, yeah. So it's like, Oh, well now I still have, I, I've given myself a half an hour to at least correct whatever errors now. And obviously in NFL, NFL, like you could still do it with the, you know, the 4 PM games. It's limited. Yeah, you're missing a lot of the, yeah. yeah, you're missing a lot of it. But like, yeah. what's the worst case scenario? You never get yeah. stuck in a position where everything locks. Because sometimes you make dummy lineups. Like in MLB, I'll make a dummy lineup today, and maybe someone is out of the lineup, and yep. it's from a seven o five Eastern game, and it's in my dummy lineup. And let's say I have a yep. CSV error. Well, that guy's gonna get. St- I, now I I can't swap out of that. So it's 
That's the worst case scenario. So my what's so I so I have a ten o'clock hitter in there. So like yeah. to me, I mean, even in football, like I don't want to have a running back that's inactive. Oh, in in my in yeah. my dummy lineup, I'd rather have the all the four p.m. games, if anything, than yeah. to have a zero. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely best practice to build your lineups with the with the later players. Uh, and I I've been doing it more and more. I still sometimes don't because I don't think of it as I'm just trying to get my entries in. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to set a lineup and I don't give it much thought, but at least like, especially during the day games. Cause I'm like, I might forget that there's a slate. <laughs> I might miss lock because I just forgot that there was a day slate that I'm playing. Uh, have you, have I'm you ever forgotten that you were playing on multiple sites? Uh, it's happened. No. It, it, it's the main reason why so. I don't like playing on both sides that you spend all your time. Like it's six 30. And you know you've en- you've entered 150 on DraftKings and 150 on FanDuel, yeah. and you're fooling around because now there's a new line. Like the Angels have a new lineup, or the Dodgers, and it's like, oh, Fran Reyes was scratched, and now you're yeah. moving stuff around in your DraftKings. To, like, and it's it's 7:02, and you're like, okay, I got I got all my lineups done. I, I'm good. I'm gonna upload this to DraftKings. Okay, I could I could breathe and relax. And 7:05 yeah. hits, and you're like. Oh shit! I forgot I had fan. I like I had Fanduel. So <laughs> I miss Fanduel lock all the time, but it's not because I forget that I'm playing there. It's because news comes out so late, and I, I have I typically have a lot more money on DraftKings, so I care more about perfecting my DraftKings lineups than uh, even getting out of the 150 set on Fanduel. Unless I have like an injured player in my lineup, that's a little bit different. But yeah, I definitely push my luck a little bit too much sometimes where I'm like working on DraftKings stuff until four minutes before lock and then give myself four minutes to try and make all of my, my FanDuel stuff and, uh, you know, <laughs> get unlucky a little bit with the CSV or something and miss lock. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that happens to me, but it's not because I forget. It's just because I, I push my luck a little bit. What well, do, 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 do you, do you sweat the biggest, to me, the biggest sweat in DFS is uh is is the the CSV upload on FanDuel at 7:04 yeah. p.m. I hate that. Yeah. Because you have to press enter and it goes one two three four five. It's like it's it's yep. it's doing this and it's like you look. I'm looking at the corner of my computer screen going 7:05. Please no 7:05. You got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I've had that issue where I'm like I press it at 7:04. I press the button and still I don't get any through because yeah. Doesn't, well, and we also had that upload. issue on NBA season. I got lucky, I guess. When Paul George was scratched like forty seconds before lock, yeah. If you remember that, and I, I put, I got my lineups in, and it gave, and it gave me an because I was doing it. I, I wasn't doing a CSV. I was doing it on my phone because I only had one line. I was only playing like cash games or something that day. Just like the the swap player thing, right? The swap player thing, and I went and it, this was I once I saw it because Paul George was like the highest on whatever at shooting guard. Yep. I swapped them out. I did it. I mean, I just didn't end. I didn't even do global player swap. I mean, I just opened up the screen, swapped out George and some other guy, and did a two v two. Pressed enter, and I saw that it, it. And I pressed enter, and like three seconds later, lock hit, and yep. then it gave me an error message and still showed my old lineup. And then I tried to reload the screen, and it wouldn't reload the screen. I think the same thing happened to me that right, day. Right, and I'm I, sitting there, I and, think and I, like, I think a lot of people ones. were sitting there for like good, like five to seven minutes, yeah. not being able to even load the live playing screen, and yep. then after that, then I saw people in some in in the Rotogrinders Discord. It's like I didn't get my swap in. It didn't get it didn't hit. And then at like seven oh eight or whatever after lock, I I reloaded my Fanduel app and I saw that Paul George wasn't in my 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 because it's. 
when you're playing, like if you're playing cash games on FanDuel, like I'm playing in like 370 contests. So like when it swaps yeah. out, it has to swap out of all the contests oh, right. or something like that. So it's not like just a simple, like I know it's in. So like I was okay. nervous. Obviously he ended up being like 70% owned with a zero. Right. Uh, but like though, to, to me, to me that those are the, to me, those are the sweats and the tilt. Oh yeah. I mean, that should be the only tilt that I feel. And I mean, I tilt when I know that I shouldn't like, so I'm focusing very much on like the last game of the slate. Like what's, what happens in the, in the last game that's going on. I end up tilting a lot, just being like, man, that one home run took me out of first place when really it's like, well, there was a whole day of like so many things happen throughout right. the day, but you're, I'm focusing on, on, on the last, the last thing that happens, of course, uh, which is, I know that it's illogical, but you know, as a, as a DFS player, I feel like I can't help it. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit calmer than I am in that sense, but I end up, tilting those things but yeah no I, I agree with you that those are the things that we should be tilting right. the, CSV the mistakes tilt that we made the only, <laughs> to me csv tilt is the only tilt yeah right there's the, to, uh, to me there's nothing else because what else are you, you already made your decision because the thing is it's not like you're it's not like oh i should have done this or this it's like no you made all the decisions yeah. and 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 you still couldn't get i mean you still couldn't get it in or you do yeah. a late swap sometimes at uh, on lineup hq like in a late swap situation, I didn't like curtail. Like this happens in NBA more than anything. Uh, that you didn't like uh, trim the players and the projections update, and you end up like late swapping and getting like seventeen percent of like of like Quinn Cook or like some like eleven point player because it's yeah. the only way to fit. Like once the late swap, like you you forget to like decrease the salaries. Right, like the type the type of thing where it needs a certain position because like half of your players are locked into lineups. And yeah. now you're like, I want to get as much of Marcus Morris as possible. And then yeah. in order to get all of that, you have to start taking like thirty two hundred dollar players and like it and then you do that and you and you don't look. And then you upload it, and then the ten thirty game comes around, it's twelve o'clock at night. Oh, I got a lineup doing well, and you look and you go, Why the why the why the fuck is the third point? Why why do I have why is why is Giannis's brother in this lineup? Right, you think yeah. like it's because he projected for nine points, and the only way to fill on that late swap is to play there was or it's one of those things where it's like there's only three eligible small forwards, so it's like right. if you don't play that guy, you have to play like some eleventh guy off the bench, and if you don't so pay you- attention to that, I I I've ended up with lineups. I'm I'm sitting on FanDuel going. Going, I guess I'm taking a three point from this. I hope it gets garbage time. And to me, that so to me that's the tilt because it's like this is something that I could have prevented from oh, happening. Yeah, no, I, I didn't agree choose. That, that I didn't choose to. If I chose to do that and he put up three points, I could live with that. But it's something that I look at a lineup and I go, if I had any brain cells, like there's no way that <laughs> yeah, this oh, lineup yeah. gets made. Yeah, like that's that's when I. It's like I. That's because that's something I could control. So I I. To me, right. that's to me that's CSV tilt. So I want to go back to so you said you forgot to lower the salary in late swap, and I'm wondering what you mean by that. Uh, let's say you want like lower the minimum threshold of set like minimum threshold. Like like for instance, if you're building a lot of lineups, because we we get these we get these uh, things that happen because we have a lineup HQ help channel. Uh, yep. So let's say I'm going to give you a very extreme situation. Okay. Uh, so. It's you're doing late a, a, a late swaptimizer or whatever rebuild whatever you want to call yep. it depending on what product you use. Uh, it's the there's 
there's two late games. It's the two 10:30 West Coast games, and those are the only games that are left. Yep. And you have, uh, let's say, you have Paul George and uh, Dennis Schroeder in your lineup because it's the Lakers and the Clippers or something. Like, yep. well, that equals a certain amount of salary. So, like, yep. if 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 you have Paul George and like, and you're like, oh, Paul George now gets ruled out, and it's like, well, he's in small, he's in the small forward spot. And you're like, I want to play as much Kawhi as possible. And Kawhi is only eligible at shooting guard. And most of your shooting guard spots are already taken. And your guard, and your guard utilities are already taken. It's like, yeah. well, I want to get him in all the lineups that I can get him in. And then whoever else is in the remaining lineup, whatever that guy is. So that's why you could get a quit, a 3K guy yeah. in those lineups. But then let's say you don't want that. And it's like, I want to get, I want to get, uh, uh, I want to keep, I want to get as much Marcus Morris or some, you know, Terrence Mann. But that that'll require you to leave like four thousand dollars of salary on the table, in order right. to get that late swap in, because there's no other expensive players at any positions that you could that could fit in those lineups. But you've set your mat your threshold at minimum at forty nine five. Well, now li- okay. now lineup HQ is going to say uh, couldn't rebuild like couldn't like it'll, it'll give you an error saying I could rebuild three thirty eight of these hundred but I couldn't rebuild okay. the other ones. And people are like, well, why doesn't it rebuild? Like, well, the instructions you've given it, like it can't okay. swap, it, it can't get Kawhi in your lineup because you don't have the position and you're requiring right. it to spend almost all of your salary and okay. there's no one to spend it on. So what, okay. it, what, what do you do? Right. I mean, so I, I never used the, the, there is a set minimum salary on, uh, in fantasy cruncher as well. I just, I never use that feature. So I guess that's where I right. didn't totally understand. But some of those builders, like if, if you set it to, you need at least four unique players and it's yeah. like, well, how maybe it doesn't get to the, maybe once you have to do the late swap, it can't certain lineups just like there aren't as many combinations because obviously after the first game you have, and it's 11 game slate, you'll be able to do it. But I'm talking about it like right at the, like the end is only one or two games left and you're trying to swap out stuff, it's like you have to make sure these global settings are like not constraining yeah. enough yeah. in order yeah. for you to well, do that. I think that's a big a big thing that people miss with late slop as well. In, in, in addition to just not doing it, I think people don't realize that you kind of need to loosen your settings a little bit after, after lock because if you leave all the same constraints, you're really forcing it to make some bad lineups sometimes. You're going to end up with, you know, not using anywhere near all of your salary and not playing your best plays. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh it's an important thing to do. In, in MLB, I, do you do, do you use late swap at all in MLB? Uh, I try not to, like, I, I would prefer not to. Um, I do sometimes, uh, if there is like, if the lineup hasn't come out before right. lock, uh, then I will sometimes, but yeah, I, I definitely prefer not to, cause I don't want to undo all of, all of the work that I put in before lock and I feel like with MLB, uh, the way I set max exposure, I'm a little bit more concerned about that. Uh, so I'm more likely to just do like one for one player swaps in MLB than than NBA. Right. Like uh, my, 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 my instance, a lot of times I have to determine whether or not like typically, like you said, it's when you're building based on a projected starting lineup and not a confirmed one. Yep. And then you and then you see, oh, Matt Beattie is in and not Chris Taylor. And yep. then you have to get to then then you have to swap like to me, I don't know about you. I'm I my order of pref my order of priority is to keep the correlation and not worry about the projection. Unless yep. it's at a position where 
I just can't, I just, it's not going to, I just, I'm not available to. Like if I have Chris yeah. Taylor in a shortstop position because he's outfield and shortstop eligible, yeah. and then Matt Beattie's in and he's only outfield eligible, and now the Dodgers don't have, they don't even have a shortstop eligible in their lineup. It's like, well, that turns into Javi Baez. That turns into yeah. whoever, whoever. Basically, I just do global player swap and I go, who's the highest projected guy? And if if this lineup is instead of 5 one 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 ends up being four one 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 one, and then then that that's just the way because well I'm not gonna leave the yeah. guy in there not playing so yeah. like but I'm less inclined to go into like a, a late swap tool and start yeah. rejiggering like all of my lineups at once. Yep, yeah. and I I agree with that. I, I definitely prefer not to use late swap with MLB. I still do sometimes, and usually when I do, like I said, like if, if I have a bunch of if I've set it for five three my my swaps to be five three, I'll change that to five two or or just get rid of the the do, do secondary you, stack maybe do you play when you make a 150 set do you do you do you just do you do just like i'm playing five three today and just like all of your lineups are like that uh depends how much time i have and depends if i'm on my phone because i think it, it might be just an issue of me not totally understanding how to use uh like uh excel on my phone i don't really know how to are you telling me you do, you build different. 150 sets sometimes on your phone i do like if i'm not at home wow. i do for sure yeah, I use the. Uh, I, I actually, I, I heard uh, Aha Bro. I just watched your your interview with him, and he mentioned that he does the same thing. I use the late swap optimizer feature uh, if I'm doing that. So that's uh, when when I use my phone, I do it with my late swap optimizer feature. Um, but if I'm on my computer, then uh, oftentimes I'll set you know different. I'll do four fours. I'll do five threes. I'll do four threes, five twos. Uh, but a mi- know, a mix up, mix, mix of all. You're not you know based just, on based on the slate. Right, but yeah. you're not just locking into. Because a lot of people ask that question, like, what construct, like, I get the similar question. How many of a certain team do you have? It's like, well, it depends on what lineups you're making. I mean, like, there's no, like, like, I, I think a lot of, a lot of what, uh, and we, we, we see on multiple sites, like for Awesome O, that people get too bogged down in optimizer settings, not realizing that it's, it's a calculator that like, whatever you want it to do, it'll do just and just there's no there's no magic settings and there's no not like the difference between most of what an optimizer does is for diversification and not for strategy your head is for like when you put in when i when i put in yesterday that i want to play like way more of the phillies and way more of the reds and and less of the boston toronto game like that's strategy but right. like how many of one team I have or something like that. Like that's just a matter of diversification. It just comes down right. to like, I'm, I'm built like yesterday. I built 150 lineups cause it was a super knuckleball and why not? I'll throw $750 in. Yeah. Uh, and it comes down to like, I, I build, I build, I start building. So I build what the first 150 set. And I see that I'm like, if I get, if I play all these heavily on these teams, like a lot of these lineups look the same. Right. So it's like, like I love these lineups, but from a diversification standpoint, it's like, like even doing two V twos or three V threes, they still come out that like, well, like based on the pricing and the positions, it's like, well, the reds always show up with the red Sox, or like, like because of how the positions and the salaries work out, it's like, yeah, I have a lot of the, but like all my red Sox are with one team or with most of one team. So I don't want that. Right. Because I want to be yeah. more diverse because I'm playing 150. I want to 
I want to reduce my variance. I don't want to just yeah. like I need to hope that this other team also does well with them or this pitcher, yeah. right? Because you typically it happens to pitchers because it's like all the cheap stacks are going to be with the double ace builds, right? Yeah. Right. So, right. but you don't. But maybe I want lineups, but I have the cheap stack with a super expensive three man and a medium level pitcher, a seven k pitcher. But yeah. it actually projects lower than a, some other lineups, but it gives me more diversification with the amount right. of exposure I have. So I don't mind giving up a little bit of projection to reduce my variance. Like, yeah. but that's all diversification. There's no, there's no like, how many teams do, like, it's a 15 game slate. How many teams do you play? I'm like, yeah. well, sometimes I play eight and sometimes I play 22. And sometimes yeah. I play a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like I'll run through lineups and I, there, there may be five teams on the slate that I could run lineups a hundred times and not get a single stack of these teams. So right. I don't play them. So I mean, like, yeah. so it's like it's, and then there, there's some slates where there's a lot of stacks that come very close to each other, and it's like, uh, do I want to x any of these out? Maybe I end yep. up with two of these stacks. Maybe I do end up with that. And so I, and it's and it's there's no hard answer of like, well, how many teams do you play? With like, as long as you're yep. building plus EV lineups, like, feel free to play yeah. a different team in every. If I'm playing twenty lineups, play a a, a five man stack of twenty different teams if you want. But if right. you believe that one, let's say you believe two or three stacks are going dramatically under-owned, well, yep. you would want to have more. Why wouldn't you want to have more of that? It does a prior, having that 20th team and being over-diverse, being worth not, you know, doubling down on the edge that you think you, that you have. Yeah. I think, I feel like a lot of people want there to be a magic button. Like these, are, like, like you were saying, the settings, they want it to be like, this is what you want to do. You want to play this many, this percentage of the teams on the slate. And I feel like one one thing that good players do is play to the slate. Like you don't play the same settings every slate. You look at which teams are, which teams are going to be uh, at what uh, ownership, like which stacks are going to be played, what percentage of the time. And you adjust according to the information that you have. Every slate, you kind of have to look at it differently. Um, and two people and can like look at the same information and come up with different Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. I right. could look at this and then go like th there are sometimes I go through results DB and it could be two people having the similar idea in the opposite ways. Right. right? It's like, it's one, one of those situations. Like, uh, I think yesterday, like for instance, on yesterday, I mean, for I mean, people are listening, who knows when, uh, like Mike minor and the Chicago white Sox. Like yep. to me, that seemed like a side type of situation that certain people are like, I'm going all in on the white Sox, or I'm going yep. all in on Mike minor and neither are wrong. It just yep. depends on which one. It's just which one are you going to do, and yep. whichever way it works out, it works out. But I don't blame. So we're both looking at the same information. We're looking at the information that my this is a high variance situation where the 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 offense projects well and is cheap because of the cheap right. pieces in it, and the pitcher from a point per dollar value on a slate that doesn't have the greatest of pitching uh, yep. is one of the top four pitchers on the slate. Yeah. And I think he, I think that, and my attitude was, I thought the pitcher was going to go more underowned than the hitters. Oh, I did the opposite. Right, but. right. But, but I, but do you understand what and I'm you saying? you were right. Right. But you, th you yeah. thought minor would be overowned and the White Sox underowned as a Correct. stack. Yep. But you had to agree that Eloy was going to be overowned. I didn't look at Eloy. I mean, okay. I, I looked more at the teams than right, individual the team, right. hitters. Yeah. I so, just, I just yeah. saw that one off piece of like, if one, the stack, like, cause I knew that the stack wasn't going to be that odd because once you, even if Eloy is 25% owned, once you add Abreu and Moncaida and Anders, like the aggregate now starts coming down. 
So yeah. it's like, okay, I don't mind the whites. It just comes down to how long do I think Mike Miner is going to be? And yep. certain certain sites projected Miner for much higher than what he ended up being. Huh. Right? Like, I think Miner I think Miner on RG was projected for like 20 to 25% owned, and he came in at 12. Right. Uh, but oh. the bat had him as the best point per dollar pitcher. So I looked at Eloy's, and I'm like, do I, how much, I don't want to play the White Sox. Like, I yeah. thought the White Sox weren't, weren't, I thought I thought there were multiple other teams better than the White Sox in general, just in a vacuum. So I'm like, yeah. if I'm not high on the White Sox in a vacuum, then I'm just going to choose to play a lot of minor, knowing that I hope people play the White Sox. Now yeah. you did the opposite, but I don't look right. at what you what you did as wrong. Yeah. So I, I looked at the Osmo uh, top stacks tool, and they had, you know, they give you here's what we expect this stack to be owned. Here is uh, the odds of being the top stack of the day. And here are the odds of being the top value stack of the day. And they were like nine, they expected like 9.8% owned 10% top stack. And then like 16 or 18% top value stack. Mm. So for me, I was like, okay, that's the spot I want to, I want to exploit there. Um, but yeah, it's sort of. Uh, and how did minor, just, how, how did, how did minor look in the top pitchers tool? I don't remember that exactly. So I, with the top pitchers tool, I don't look at it as closely usually because usually, uh, usually no pitcher is going to be higher than like 30% to be one of the top two pitchers. Like in general, if you look at the top pitchers tool, it's going to tell you uh, the highest, the highest owned pitchers are over owned. Like almost, right. almost always the highest owned pitchers are over owned relative to their value of being the one of the top two pitchers. So I used to, I used to look at that and actually like X out those top pitchers. I don't do that as much anymore because I feel like sometimes there are pitchers that maybe they don't have great odds of being one of the top two, but they can still be the third best and you can count on it and you get, I get different more with my, my batters, I think, than my pitchers. Right. You, cause you don't need, you don't need the, you don't toward. need the nuts. Exactly. Right. So it's yeah. like if you've had, as long as you have two pitchers that put up, you know, 40 points, yep. like you're fine. It doesn't matter how old I'll they are it. or anything. Yep. And it's more exactly. likely that, that the pitchers that are owned project the best are going to get there rather than having to rely on 2% owned uh, Brad Keller yep, to give exactly. you 25 points. Cause it's like, I don't want to rely on that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if he puts up 25 and the 35% owned pitcher puts up 25, like then it wouldn't matter anyway. The batters yep. are so much more variant in baseball than what yep. it is. But I'm exactly. saying, but, but I just wanted to show like for people listening, I mean, it's very similar to the, the pregame show that we could both be looking at the same exact information, nearly the same exact information. Right. And come up with a strategic way where your lineups are plus EV and my lineups are plus EV. It just right. depends on what 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 outcome happens on that specific day. Yeah. Right? So when we're both getting different from what the ownership is and, Right. yeah. Right. If the White Sox put up spot, 10 yeah. runs today, your lineups do well and my lineups don't do well. If Miner right. puts up 6 6 innings and 9 strikeouts, is that what he did? Well, he did six. Say right he, put up, he put up. He put up. I think seventeen. Put twenty points. Something. He got the win. Yeah, he had a good day. Right. He had yep. a good day. Uh, then, then my line. But if in the middle, actually, we get screwed if it's in the middle. Yeah. Right. Right. If the White Sox put up uh, four runs on no home runs, and Miner's tagged with all four runs and has three strikeouts, it's like I get eight points and your stack lose. And that, like now, eh. yeah. And that's and that's why like. Uh, do you, do you, I know some, some people have different perspectives on this. Uh, a lot, I find that, uh, I don't want to call them bad players, average players. 
that yeah. focus too much on the picks, on the plays. Oh, yeah. Who's going to do well today that don't, they'll play multiple lineups, but they don't want to, they don't want to play lineups that root against one. They call it rooting against one another. Right. Yeah. right? So it's like, I'm going to play five lineups. And in that situation with the minor of the White Sox, yep. I, they think in their head, I need to choose who do I right. think is going to do well? Is it going to be minor? Yeah. Is it going to be the White Sox? Yet, if you looked at my exposures from last night, you see that I had like 15% White Sox, even right. while having 55% minor. Now, because right. it's a seven-game slate, there aren't that many options to choose from. So yeah. Obviously, the White Sox aren't going to be in minor lineups. You're not going to play the pitcher and yeah, stack yeah. against each other. But you could play five lineups and have a White Sox stack. You could have four minor lineups and have your fifth lineup be a White Sox stack. And people naturally look at that and go, well, then I'm rooting. Like it's the opposite right. of what I'm building. Yeah. They think that I, they need, they need to choose who do I think is going to do well. And my attitude is, is that no, all these four lineups all have, if you ran a simulation and all the numbers were right and they were equal, like yeah. this is a, a, the same shot of coming in first place as this other lineup. It just requires a different outcome. And yeah. if you're going heavy on my, like, do, do you want to now reduce your variance? You know, just like diversifying your portfolio. Right. You've identified a high variance situation. It's like, why don't I play? Yeah. I'll play both sides of it. Knowing. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, it's very similar to MMA. I, people do it in MMA all the time. They'll, add, oh, they'll, yeah. they'll ask me, to, right? they'll go, go, which, which guy do you like in this fight? I go, well, oh. I don't care. Yeah. Right. It's like, I have both. I, uh, they'll ask me, who do I have in MMA? I go, everyone. It's Although. Like, did you see like what was it a month or so ago? Was it Parlay Picks or somebody who won won the the big contest in MMA? And he had like three fighters locked into his 150 set. Right. I was I was shocked by that. But yeah, yeah, no. But I'm you could, but you could, you, you could do that. But some, yeah. but some people, they 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 want like, I want to pick which side's gonna win. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Me, no. I just care about building. I don't do that. Win equity yeah. line. I don't like. I, it doesn't matter to me. In fact, it's yeah. in fact I'm more likely to do it. Yeah, in a high variance situation, that's where you find your edge. So often, you know, running backs in the NFL, like where you don't know who is going to be the bell cow, I'm inclined to play both. Like if it's like, so last year there was a time when it was like uh, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, mm. Daryl Henderson. Nobody knew, like they they all had had good weeks. So one week I was like, I'm going to be overexposed to all three of them. And of course it was a week that none of them did anything. Right. But those are the spots where I'm like, yeah, I, when people don't know what's going to happen, when it is a high variant situation and there can be a spike in points, you know, either direction for sure. I'm, I'm going to try both sides. I'm not going to worry about them going against each other. I'm going to set settings so that they're not in the same lineup, like you said, but uh, yeah, I feel like those are the biggest spots to find edge is what, where you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, obviously, but where there's a large range of outcomes and, and people are really digging in one way or the other. That's kind of when you, where you can find a little edge there. Right. I do. I do that in MMA all the time. I mean, to me, yeah. Like I, and if you listen to MMA shows and, and, and the, the, especially on the, the smaller, the slate gets, and we always see these cancellations and everything. Uh, whenever you get to the point, if, Whenever you listen to a show and the two people talking are like, yeah, this is one of those fights where you go to the bathroom. I probably have a lot of that fight. Yeah. <laughs> because it's MMA and one punch could do anything. I mean, like. Right. So, like, I end up with. Yeah. There, a lot of times I have lineups that are brutally. I mean, brutal. Like, like yeah. six losers or whatever. But, like, all those times where it's like the guy that hasn't had a finish in six years. 
gets a first round knockout right. and he's like 6% owned. Like I have like 20% of that guy because yep. he's still under owned for, cause if you go by the betting lines, like, yes, he's the lowest that he has a 12% shot at, at a first round knockout, but he's only going to be 6% owned. So, right. Right. Or, or, yeah, or these high price fighters that. that typically don't have a good like scoring history where it's okay. like, they don't finish people enough and they're slow paced. It's like, dude, if you watch MMA, and now I do watch MMA because I think it's a good yeah. sweat, uh, dude. Like every MMA, every literally every MMA card, there's something that has never happened before. Like really? you don't know what fight it's going to be. It's going to be like no yeah. one would have expected this, or this guy is coming off a two. Like when you see these fights where one guy that they, they haven't fought in two years, and people are right. analyzing fights from five like, years, like ago. Dillashaw this past week, right? That right, his, right. Well, exactly. Deal. Right, like something like that, or 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 uh, who 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 just they, they always have a fight that someone like like Arce, right? Arce was coming back for two right, two right. years, and it's like, well, he normally doesn't. He's normally a point score or whatever. It's like, who knows? Maybe in two years, he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn into a finisher. I mean, like he's gonna be right. like, and people don't play him because he's he's not as good as the other higher price fighters because they have a better inside yeah. the distance lines. But it's like, dude, the good dude's gonna be twelve percent owned, and he's. Not and who's those? He comes out yeah. and gets a quick one bonus. So he wins in the first round, and and no one has yeah. it. And then the other high priced fighters lose, right? right? I mean, like I'm trying to I'm playing the large field. I'm trying to win with a unique lineup. Like that's that's what you yeah. have to think. But so I to go to to get no back to the point, it goes against what yeah, yeah. we okay. see. You watch these awesome shows, and it goes against because right. you get these conspiracies. Like on Reddit, I just I literally saw yesterday that. Uh, you can't trust the sites because uh, the analysts give out, you know, here, here are the best plays and they do the complete opposite. Right. Yeah, and it's I like, that. like, no, they give out what the chalk is and it's up to you to build lineups that have first place equity, which most likely right. don't have chalk in it. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. I mean, that is, I feel like any kind of show like that where they're, where they're giving away their picks, usually they're disinclined to go away from the chalk and what they're suggesting, because if they're going to be wrong, people focus more on when you're wrong than when you're right. And if they're going to be wrong, they want to be wrong with everybody else and be like, well, everybody else thought that too. So I'm not, I'm not just crazy wrong. A lot of those sites, I feel like, uh, you know, try to be more in line with the chalk or are, are, are afraid to get too far away from the chalk. No, but uh, they're, but they're, but they're technically right though. Yeah, they're giving the best projected plays, right? But they're not giving the the best plays for daily fantasy sports. I mean, right? Well, but that, maybe, but that's the, good but that's long. but that's exactly what I'm talking about. That yeah, yeah, yeah. People that 95 percent of the audience doesn't understand the difference. They don't understand right. that when me and you said I played one side of the game and you played the other side of the game, and we both look at each other going good good play, right? Regardless <laughs> yep. of what happens with the results, because that's you should have played one or the other. Right. 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 If, if you looked at yep. both and say, I don't, I don't think any of this is good. Like maybe that yeah. wasn't the best thing, but like, we right. could all look at, we could all look at projections and go like, like these are the best, like they, that's the thing that always frustrates. That's why I can't do some of those shows where yeah. it's like, dude, like why, what, like, dude, I'll give you the link. Just go to the page that I'm looking at. And like, what's the best third yep. baseman on this slate? It's like Chris Bryant. I mean, Sure. Yeah. That I mean, according to fantasy points per dollar on this projection page, right? Chris Bryant, yeah. right, right, like that type of thing. But is that the best play for the lineup that you're making? Maybe, right. maybe not. I, right. I don't know what you're doing, right? I, I mean, 
probably if you're I'm playing large field and I'm playing all the chaw, I'm playing my cash lineup. Yeah, yeah, you're probably yeah, that's not good, right? Right. And then you say yeah. the complete opposite. I'm playing a hundred man single entry contest and I'm playing a one percent owned stack and two one percent owned pitchers. I'm like, like they're one percent owned for a reason. They don't project well. So like like right. most likely you shouldn't be playing. Oh, does that mean you don't like that? Like I don't like like I don't know. <laughs> like to me, to me that to me that's do you were you ever at a position playing daily fantasy. Cause I, I consider that to be like that. That's like the neutrals. Like that's the, that's the, what do you, that's the, the, the singularity type of like that, that mental shift of, cause everyone's to me, I, even I started that way. Like 2015, right. I know I've started playing soccer. I know soccer, right? Right. These are the good teams are the bad teams are the good players. You put together lineups and you're like, you look at, you look at a, a good player eventually and you go, why'd they play this $3,200 defender? That sucks. It's like, right. oh, oh, cause defenders are, they really don't have ceilings. So you might as well just play whatever the fuck defender, right? Like the cheapest one. Okay. Oh, and you start getting the DFS concepts and then you start seeing it's less and yeah. less about the sport and then you get into projections and then you see it's less and less even about the players. Right. Uh, like, were you at a point when you started where, like, how, how did that shift? Because you, so you didn't get immediately to the point where you're showing up 15 minutes before the slate, looking at some no. projections and building 150 lineups at the fantasy crunch. Yeah, no. And that, it's funny because I don't know exactly when it happened. But I looked through my, my results on RotoTracker, and it's very clear that, like, when I started the first couple of years, like, my results are all over the place. I'm not, like, putting any special number in the top 1%. And then, like, it's... You know, there was a, a couple of years where it was like starting to be kind of all over the place, but I'm still putting like 1.3% into the the top 1% of lineups. And then there was a year where it just like suddenly spiked, where it was just like everything shifted one year. And I don't know why, because it was before I, it was before I started using an optimizer. Uh, I don't know what happened that year. Maybe, maybe I heard some good advice somewhere that I don't really remember, but it's just kind of been etched into my brain. But yeah, definitely I was... Uh, not great player for many years or for at least a few years when did, uh, when before did you start? it kind of clicked for me. According to Roto Tracker, my, my first <laughs> ever DFS contest was in 2010. I have no idea what I played in 2010 because I played like one entry or like two entries. And then my next was in 2013. Uh, and that's when I really kind of started. I started doing NBA just to give me something to cheer for while I watched basketball. Um, and then I kind of got more serious over time. So it's kind of like 2013, I started to just play, you know, five lineups on a given NBA slate. Uh, and then 2014, a little bit more, 2015, a little bit more. And uh, yeah, kind of, you're, 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 you're two years into this more than I am. You start, when did you start? I started October, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been doing it a while. Um, not very seriously at first, um, but yeah, that's uh, I think my first, lineup that i remember was 2013 was it a good lineup <laughs> no it was terrible well back then in Bas- I, I thought i thought in 2013 all you had to do was like uh, uh you had to just make sure you didn't have like like uh, back then it must oh if we had the to- if oh it's like it's like if i knew what i knew now back then i mean oh yeah we'd, we'd be we'd be we'd be, we'd be crushing <laughs> right yeah. it would be stupid man yeah, just run the best projected lineup would probably right, be all you really need right, to do. Right, even just yeah. that. Right, exactly. Or, or uh, like the on-off tools for NBA, like that they didn't exist. Right. right yeah. People were playing the four percent, five percent owned guys that weren't even in lineups. 
right? Yeah. Like people, I mean, it was just. I but mean, I was probably that guy. Right, right. You were probably Sadly, that guy. Sadly, I didn't have these tools. Yeah, because I, I started. I, I started. I had not been a basketball fan, but my brother kept inviting me over to watch basketball, and it was like something for us to do together. And I was a basketball fan in like the '90s, so he was like, "You need to get back into it. It's really fun again." So I was like, "Fine. If I'm going to watch basketball, I'm going to set some lineups." But like these are players I'd never heard of before. Like I, I didn't know what they looked like. I knew nothing about them. But I'm kind of like I'd read. Back then, I was I was on only Roto Grinders, and I would read like the daily like here's going to be good today. Just like read an article to tell me who to play based on what they say. So I would, you know, I guess I had some knowledge based on reading Roto Grinders, but uh, but not a lot because I didn't know the players. I didn't know you know what what was really going on. Right, and then you then you start then you start getting. I mean, you do you have a past experience in poker? Like what what do you what do you? I mean, you still have a nine to well, five. Like what do you do for a living? Uh, so I'm a, a lawyer. Um, not, I'm not a practicing lawyer. So I have a law degree, uh, and I work at uh, Thomson Reuters. Um, we publish publish cases for lawyers doing research, and I write essentially Cliff's notes for legal cases during the day. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't have any. Uh, so you have you, you have no really. background in in like in in games or in finance or in like nope. any, like in, in any subject that would that would be very like probabilistic. I was an English major. Yeah, no, I got, I got none of that past experience to really help me. So I guess I was starting pretty fresh in 2013. I was starting kind of from scratch and not really knowing the game theory or anything. Um, I did play, I played a fair amount of like full tilt poker, like in just for fun shortly after college, but like was never, never got to be that great at it. I'd have like, you know, a few days where I'd win a lot and then I would, uh, lose it really quickly. So, um, so yeah, not not a whole lot of poker background. Yeah, just kind of does li- does legal it out think, as I does went. the thinking of a lawyer? I mean, l- lawyer very rule based. I mean, I think yeah, lo- I mean, there's, I think a there's a, some logic to that. At least at least to get into law school, there's a lot of like logical reasoning tests and stuff. And I guess they, they do try to teach you logical reasoning in law school to an extent. I guess right, but they they don't um, teach you like. Okay, well, if you make this argument, you have a seventy-eight percent chance of swaying. Yeah, yeah. Swaying there's no, there's eight, no ten, eight twelfths of the sure. jury. Are you gonna yeah. make this? Like, you're not. You're not doing that type of stuff. No. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what. That's how poker players would think. Be like, right, I can yeah. make this point and get these three jurors to think this, and the judge, and and you weigh the probability, and you go, okay, my closing argument is this, and my expected value of this closing argument based on this settlement for this civil lawsuit is one point seven right. million dollars. So I'm gonna say yeah. this. Right. Right. It doesn't yeah, kind of work. They don't teach out. you that in law school. No, no. they didn't. Take maybe that. at the big firms. Maybe they got. Maybe they got a guy who does that for them at the big firms. But yeah, no. Right. So, so you're. So, I mean, but you're competing. I mean, you're competing at the level. I would. I consider you one of the top, the top large field GPP players. I mean. Yeah, but, I mean, but you. But you have to realize you take a look at the like the RG leaderboard. Like you're you're you go down this. You're, you're dealing with like like most people that have like applied mathematics degrees. Or, oh, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, look at like him like, man, I am not like these guys. Meet whistles go woo. He's a professor doing like advanced analysis. Yeah, it's uh, I am not. I do not have that background. And I wish that I wish I had a little bit more. I mean, I I feel like I play a little bit of the game theory, but I feel like I have a ways to go to be like to really compete with the, the top top players. Like, I but feel do you, like but do you have, really think so? I I, I, I mean. You, I, I I think we're gonna get to the point. I think the reason why we can do what we do is because there's still too much of the field that doesn't project anything. Like just just right. That's uh, true. Or either they do one one of two things. Either don't they like 
They're just playing who they believe are the best plays. They're yeah. making construction errors, which reduces their ceiling. Or they're playing two safe lineups. Like, to me, the biggest edge is that people are smart. Like, I know what the best plays are, and they're playing the best plays, but yeah. there's absolutely no game theory element. So they're playing a lot of lineups that have a lot of min-cash equity, but not like they're not going to compete right. for the top spot. And that's why, that's why guys like you and me are successful. But I don't think that, at least I don't consider myself to be on the level of the guys who understand all the game theory, but also have a little bit more math in their process. Like the, the brick, the brick 75s. Yeah, the but awesome we both have math in our, pro- we're not, it's not like we don't that's have true. math. Yeah. It, that's good I, 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 I could, I consider it. The difference uh, is that it's, it's that precise versus accuracy. It's like, right. Like I know I, 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 I poke fun at brick. I'm like, it has to be the, the 0.001 type of thing. And I just like kind of estimate it or, or eyeball it or ballpark it. It's like, as long right. as I'm directionally right, right, right. I'm not going to yeah. be precisely right. Yes. Yes. Brian is going to beat me over the long run, over a 20 year sample size. Me, right. me and him playing 150 lineups, every slate, he's going to show more profit. But in right. the short, in the short periods, there's enough dead money. There's enough, there's enough, there's, there's enough, enough bad, for all of us to get some for all yeah. of, right. For all of us to get some. And yeah. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that, I don't have to build anything because these things are like, I'm oh, yeah. I, the, to me, I believe that the information will only get better. Yeah. And the more, and that, which means that if we, if you had like, go back to 2013, right? If you had awesome of projections in 2013, you would crush the games. Oh yeah. For right. Sure. Uh, because the relative value of having them is so much higher. Yeah. Now, let's say you have your own model. Like, so it's not a public. So in 2013, Osimo projections didn't exist. Like, Osimo had them. I've, obviously, Alex wasn't playing back then. I don't think so. I don't think he started playing until 2015 or 16. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, so if you had those types of projections for yourself, you crushed. But oh, yeah. then once 2000, as time goes on, Basketball monster projections. Then we have, then we have Roto grinders project. Then we start having like now the differences between your projections and what other people have access to is much smaller. I only think that, that, that is going to get smaller and smaller over time. So to me, the value of, of accurate projections five years from now is not, it's it's definitely not going to be as high. It all comes down to, the other pit, like that, the bottom fifty percent of the player pool, what they do and what new people yeah. come into there. So the more and more people are like, well, I just I'm gonna I, that where projections are like normally to, we don't have shows like we wouldn't get to the point where there's no YouTube shows of player over player and we're talking about well here are the projections and go look at them and build your lineups. Yeah. Like then to me the advantage comes into more of our type of like. Like I, 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 I believe game theory is, is future proof. While I agree projections with you. aren't. Yeah. No, I, I, so I agree with you that the game theory is the biggest part of winning at DFS more so than, so when I say statistical, I don't really mean like projections, I guess I just, I'm trying to think exactly what I mean. So I feel like there are aspects. So I, I think that I, well, there's aspects of game theory. Be. Like you could automate, like all the simulation stuff, and then determining optimal percentages, like, like 
That's that's game theory. That that is game. Yeah, like yeah. everything is game. Right. Like there's not one that's element, true. but I'm talking about the value of like me and you do it more by either using someone else's tool or by eye. By yeah. estimation, by looking, by going, I believe this team is underowned. I believe I don't know how much underowned to the decimal point. Right. But I know it enough that I'm gonna play more lineups with that team and more lineups with this team and less lineups with like and make those yeah. choices and Compared to the rest of the field, we're going to be have more of an advantage. Now, compared to right. someone like Alex, he's going to do that on a mathematical basis, and he's going to be yeah. more correct than we are, but we're going to be close yeah. to, to yeah, that. Yeah. But compared to everyone else that does it, like if it gets to the point five years from now that everyone has like the same projections, we're still going to get 95% of the, of the, yeah. of the crowd that's going to go like that. You, trust me, I don't know if you download the CSVs. I don't. Okay. If you download the CSVs, uh, especially in NFL, if you do it in NFL, do it for like the, the nine, maybe not that do that for the Millie maker. You will see trains upon trains of dupes. And if you subscribe to all the sites and know all that and all everything, I could predict exactly what those lines, like I'm not talking about trains of people entering in multiple times. I'm talking about multiple users, man. So you will, and and you'll see multiple where like if you, T- pressed in because and what people do is that I've seen people because they've come to me for help right. that uh, they're using an optimizer and they may maybe it's Fantasy Cruncher maybe it's Lineup HQ maybe it's Saberson maybe it's Daily Run I'll, we enter all of them and so many of them are like they build 150 cash lineups right like it's a just yeah. like like why aren't I win- like and the thing is is that they're min-cashing enough the lineups that they're not losing a ton of money Right. Right. So like it's, I put in 150 lineups. I spent, you know, 750 bucks or they'd playing the mini max or something. Yeah. I, I, I a dollar mini max. I put in 150 bucks. I got back uh, 132. Yeah. But their best lineup didn't even come close to like yeah. anything. And, right. and then now there's, oh, I, I do all different types of stacks. So now they're doing yeah. like five, three, four, three, one, three, three, two. And then they're setting unique players to two. And maybe like a, maybe a max of 50% of any one player and then just running 150. Right. And then it's like, okay, you, you built like 150 kind of correlated semi cash line. Like you're still right. not like, you're still way too chalky. Like these lineups, just like all the combinations are all the same. Like you're playing like the two chalk stacks and the two chalk pitchers and like one, the two V two different. You're playing the yeah. ninth hitter and the, and it's like, okay. And you're playing right. too many of those lineups. So then they end up with like, well, I only played five teams in 150 lineups. And then the Pirates go off and score 12 runs and yeah. their lineups are dead. I mean, like, so they come it's like, what am I doing wrong? It's like, oh, you're doing like the actual playing of DFS wrong. Right. Like they, they yeah. think I have, but they're like, I have projections. I have an optimizer. Right. They're I have the, the settings. Players. I asked they're a like, sharp player what settings they have. I saw in a video, they had these yeah. settings. How come when I press the button, I don't get, I don't, I don't win. Right. I don't win enough, yeah. or or I've been doing this, and sometimes I win a little, sometimes I win, like they never. If you lost all your money immediately too many times, then at least you fix your error immediately. But a lot of times yeah. I see that, like, dude, and you download the CSV and you could find these lines. I mean, like you could you could legitimately find these lines, especially in NFL, where it's like I know I like whoever subscribes to the Blitz will have this line, and they'll throw it in GPPs. Huh. And then, then I could tell, like, I could put in, like, a 2-1 or a 3-1 stack and then just give me 150 lines with the blitz projection. I could find all those, 
all those lineups, and a lot of times it's the same users that have like, huh. if they have the first lineup, they probably have the second lineup. They probably have the third lineup. They probably, have, and I'm looking at this going, dude, we could give you all the information if you don't have the actual, like yeah. I'm expecting. Oh, no, I agree. Right. Yeah. You agree. Like I expect five years yeah. from now, even if you gave people all this information, yeah. people, more of them end up doing are... that and not actually thinking through of what these lineups yeah. should even look like regardless of having a secondary like simulation methodology to yeah. show you that. But I think right. me and you could get to that point yeah. that we beat no. all those players. Now, once we get to the point yeah, yeah. where everyone's doing what we're doing, then, then I don't even know if there's any money. I don't, yeah. then DFS. Who does. knows if we'll get to that point. That would, right. Yeah. I hope it doesn't get to that point. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I totally agree that like there's enough dead money for all of us to make money. Uh, I guess my, my thinking is, if I had a little bit more applied a little bit more math or had a little bit more time, I could get rid of, like, I still think that I play negative EV lineups every day. Like I think that I play plenty of negative EV lineups. Whereas I think like the true best players don't like, I think they actually spend enough time and have enough knowledge to get rid of all of like, they play 150 all plus EV lineups. And I think I play enough that I'm successful, but I think that I still play plenty of lineups that don't really have a chance to, win so right no i so that's what i mean when i say right a a lot a lot of times you like you run out of time or something you just get like i'm willing like if i'm building 100 lineups a lot of times i don't build play 150 uh i'm willing to accept that 10 percent of my lineups i'm i'm are 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 loss leaders okay right like like i know that it's quite possible that the bottom 10 you know nine ten out of a hundred are but in order to get the other 90, I need to make those 10. Like it's, yeah. it's one okay. of those things where and that's how I play too. So I, that's, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I kind of feel like I'm like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm missing an opportunity sometimes by not like spending a little bit more time to really make sure that my stacks are better. Cor- so like an MLB that I don't have the five, three of both chalk stacks. Like sometimes occasionally I'll end up with a, a stack that's just like, yeah, I played, I played the chalk and I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, ha- shouldn't have had them together. Um, but I mean, I'm you like, can do that bluntly with ownership, max, min, and maxes. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I do a lot of things bluntly. I mean, but you yeah. have to know, but you have to understand the concept of what you're doing first, because right. a lot of times, like, you'll play the two, like, you'll win with the two chalk pitchers and the two chalk stacks, and you go, oh, I can't believe you're a chalk docking. It's like, well, I played the eighth hitter, like, right. it's it's one of those True. things. You played the the Braves. But instead of playing Acuna, you played Arcia, who right. is like two percent owned, and he hits a home like, and it's like, yeah, I. But the lineup, take a look at the whole lineup in a, in a whole. The ownership made sense, and it just so happens it was the two chalky stacks, but it wasn't the chalkiest parts of the two stacks. Right. So you could still that still shows that you could make a lineup, but some people are like, I need to x out the chalk, and I'm like, don't x. Right. They're the chalk for a reason. They're, they're the so best high probability plays. My understanding is you take care of that to some extent by setting like a max ownership per lineup. Is that correct? Yeah. See, I don't even do that. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's, that's one very simple way that I can get rid of some, uh, some negative EV lineups. But it's a blunt way of doing, cause we both, know, I mean, maybe we don't both know, but mathematically ownership sum is not, you'd right. rather do it by ownership product. Yeah. Cause ownership sum, cause what, I mean, ownership sum, you could have six chalky guys and 1.5% on guy. Right. And, and, and that's, which is that's, often what I do. I like to do that. Yeah. Right. Like that, that could still be enough. As long as that 0.5, that half a percent on guy puts up a grand slam. I mean, like 
then you're then yeah. you're good. I mean, like, right. like so it's not just the sum. I mean, I do that in M- like MMA. I I can't do that because sometimes you'll get a you'll actually get a high ownership sum and have that lineup be unique because it leaves two thousand right. on the table. Right? You're playing right, right. The, yeah. you're playing you're playing the three most owned underdogs with a main event fighter, the highest owned favorite, and some other guy that's like twenty two percent owned. Yeah. But so MMA. I have no idea what I'm doing in MMA. I'll just start, <laughs> start with that. I, I played. I think I played three MMA slates. Okay, so you don't uh, normally play MMA. It, it's just weird for yeah. me to say like I have no idea what I'm doing in MMA. Yet I'm. You still play it. Right. I'm still gonna play it. Yeah. Well, that's how you learn, right? I mean, I, I'm a very hands-on learner. So do that's, you do you go? That's how you, I got. Better. Do you go by projections, like median projections for that? In MMA. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I adjust. So I, I do. I watch the Awesomeo MMA shows to try and get an idea of who the fighters are, and the probability is just based on what they say. Uh, and then I adjust their projections based on that. Uh, and so, so one thing that I, the first slate that I played, uh, I didn't do very well. And then I looked at so I looked at Decolts. I look I, I looked at lineup study. Went to Decolts because he had had a, a good day and saw that he had set his salary cap to like 49200 or something like right. that so i was like okay that's what i need to do i just i need to set the but then i look at it like two weeks later and i'm like i look at other top players i look at you know brick 75 and whistles go i don't know i looked at some of the other top players and they didn't do that so i'm, I'm still very much i i'm still very much learning how to play mma and i'm not sure that i should be playing mma because but i did do you play nfl showdown yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Okay. Showdown. If you play, if you like NFL Showdown, MMA is more like that. Okay. Like, yeah. so the point is that it depends on the size of the slate. Like, the, as right. the slate gets smaller, the amount of unique lineups that are available go dramatically down. I heard you say that on on one of your shows that you like if it's less than ten fights, you don't I don't even, even bother play or something playing. like that. Yeah. I don't. I, don't okay. I think if there's if there's nine fights, I'm not even sure if there's literally any lineup that's plus EV. Okay. Like literal, I don't think there's literally a lineup that could be plus C. in a large field. Like what I'll do in on the on the smaller cards because a lot of times these fights get canceled or whatever. So like we had an yeah. eleven fight, ten fight, eleven fight card. That's when I play the five fifty five. That's when I play the small field. Right, right. Because yeah. then it's like okay, I don't need to worry. Duplication isn't as much of a worry in a contest with four hundred people. Yeah. Right. I'm probably going to be different anyway, but I mean. It's, I don't have to care. I'm not going to play 100 to 150 lineups in a large field contest. That's what I did in, in the NBA finals. I just like I, I stopped having fun doing the the showdown stuff with the, everybody duping the top lineup. So then I just started playing the, the 555 for the NBA final showdown slates. Right. But um, MMA, yeah, MMA, I, I don't that. use projections at all. Oh, really? I, 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 I use the, I, the efficient market hypothesis. I just assume the betting lines are, are accurate. Okay. So like, huh. to, to, only because it's so, because MMA is so binary. Yep. One guy wins, one guy loses, right? I mean, like, yep. and the if you if you do an analysis, this I mean, I've done this, uh, it, it, which makes complete sense. I mean, we're not we're not gonna, we're not, I'm not gonna surprise anyone. Uh, that your goal your goal in MMA to win a large field tournament is pretty much to have your fighters put up a hundred points each. Yep. Right. Okay. So, what's more, cor- what's what action is most correlative, let to a hundred points? A first round knockout. Right. Yep. So, if the betting odds for a first round knockout on a fighter is sixteen percent, how much are they owned in comparison to that? Right. That's the most huh. correlative. The second most correlative is 
inside the, winning inside the distance okay. to get 100 points, right? Now, you'd obviously right. have it in the first round, but still, the correlation of a 100-point score is not as much to a, dis- a decision as it is to a finish inside the distance. Right. So you want to look and see what the odds are, the betting lines on typically a sharper book, Pinnacle, yeah. Five Dimes, uh, Bookmaker, you know, Offshore, not the retail. See, I, okay, because I can't even I can't even bet in Minnesota, so I'm like, I don't even know where where to find the books necessarily. Right, but you so, look yeah. at but I'm saying because only because it's so binary. So if yeah. you don't now, obviously there are certain fighters that put up more points, like because they wrestle more and whatever. But let's yeah, say yeah. you don't like. I'm not concerning myself with that. Like you have to know the fighter that that's why you watch a show and you go, okay, I need, right. this guy may not have a good chance of winning inside the distance, but he could put up a hundred points in, in a decision. Like yeah. then now I have to mentally adjust that up. But most people, right. most people already do that. They're overowned as it is. So I'm looking, right. I'm, so essentially all I'm doing is looking, how do I put together six fighters that could score a hundred plus points? And it's all correlated to inside the distance and round one odds. And, and obviously the lower, the higher the point, higher the salary, the more points they'll need. And the lower, yep. so like a lower salary fighter, like maybe a win, maybe a win in a decision is 82 points. And at 6,900, that's fine. So right. what's the odds of that versus the ownership? And at 9,400, like, dude, a win by decision, especially when there's like, three other 9,000 fighters on the slate is probably not going to yeah. be good enough. So it's like, right. so if I believe that the market is efficient enough, why, what the, what are the projections going to tell? I mean, the yeah. projections deal with all these other metrics and how many punches strikes per like MMA is so binary. And so this guy that had normally takes down everyone and has four takedowns per, per fight goes in and has none. And they have a boxing match. I mean, like there's right. so much variance in that, that, just going by the betting one. I mean, what yeah, other I mean, method? It makes sense. Right? So so that's why I find these fighters that, like, we, I, why why did you choose to play this guy? It's like, well, he was 12% owned and he's 22% inside the distance. Yeah, but right. that guy sucks. Yeah. So then he wouldn't be right. 22% inside the distance and 12%. And right. then, <laughs> yeah. Like, why didn't you play this other guy? It's like he had the highest inside the distance. He was 52% right. to be inside the distance. Yeah, he's 62% owned. Right. He's the high, but he still has the highest probability. So, which means he's still going to be in plenty of my lineups, but not as many of them. So, I mean, but, but to me, like what I just described, I mean, that's, that's, isn't that what game theory is? I mean, yeah. And I mean, that's also a unique process. So that kind of helps you to get unique just by not using projections. No, I think uh, John Scarlet Patrol, he, he he does it. I think he's very similar also. Well, it's not, not bad company to be in then. Right. But I mean, but, but, but you know how frustrating it could be when you talk to people that play MMN and DFS, like average players, and they're like, "Well, who do you like in a fight?" And it's like, "I don't like, right, any, right. I don't, I don't like anyone in a fight. I don't like, yeah, like why'd you play this guy with that guy? It's like because it's 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 a lineup that's forty eight thousand eight hundred and it's unique, yeah, and that's it. It's like, well, you really thought that guy was gonna win? No, I I have no yeah. fucking clue. And and I and you say you don't know anything about MMA. I know sl- it's just about slightly more than. Just okay. very, very, very slight. I mean, you watch it now. Yeah, I... At I, least you started watching it. I only... Because of COVID. Yeah, right. Right, because MMA came back because Dana White did, did, went to Abu Dhabi or whatever. And yeah. what the hell else are we playing? Right? Yeah. I needed to play something, so I'm like, okay. I, I, soccer came back, so I was playing Bundesliga soccer, so that was fine. 
But Sakurai, I never got what into do you any do? of that stuff. I just took the time off. I was I was one of the rare players who plays every day who was just like, all right, I'm taking a break from DFS because I wasn't going to get into the esports and the sports I don't know. I guess I, I played a little bit of KBO, Korean but, baseball. But, but you knew uh, but, but yeah. you knew MLB. I mean, baseball yeah, DFS yeah, exactly. is baseball. I mean, you were yeah. You didn't know I the players, but you on. knew like construct. You knew the scoring system yeah. and construction yep. and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. Right. So you're not getting into soccer then. I never got into soccer. Yeah. So do, do yeah. you? So do you primarily just play the main, basically MLB, NBA, NFL. Primarily XFL. I got super into XFL uh, for the five weeks that it existed. Um, <laughs> but I it's still football. PGA. It's still football. I mean, even yeah, if, yeah, if exactly you told me it was same. WNBA, I'd still be yeah, like, yeah. it's still basketball. It's still basketball. I would, I would love to play WNBA if they just had bigger, bigger uh, payouts. <laughs> the payouts just not enough to make it worth my time to play WNBA. But uh, yeah, and I've gotten into uh, PGA. I've started trying to play PGA and MMA. Uh, still kind of figuring out what I'm doing there, though. PGA is brutal. Yeah, it's really... That's been my experience too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's experience. I think yeah. I think PG I think PGA is the most efficient DFS market. But I feel like I've seen there, there's a guy with a a with I think Randy Moss in his in his profile picture on DraftKings like M, MJ something I don't know who I feel like I see at the top of PGA all the time like every time I play I'm like man this guy has PGA figured out like there are, I feel like there are certain players that I see at the top more than I would expect to, because I feel the same way. I feel like it's like, it's so efficient. Like how does, how do people find a big edge in PGA? Uh, but then there seem to be some players who are doing something different that are, that's working for them. So, well, it's, it's the, it's the only, I mean, also it's maybe a lack of a lack of certain metrics. It's cause it's the, it's to me, it's the, it's the only, I believe it's the only sport where the highest correlation is ownership. Right. Like to, to to if you if you back tested for previous performance, the number one metro I mean the number one thing to weigh who's going to do well, predictively is ownership. And once that happens, then what the then what yeah, what what element of game theory? I mean if yeah if <laughs> right like what am, what am I doing then? But yeah. but that's what I tried to do in, in PGA and PGA like I I was the one I played PGA for like maybe a year and a half and pretty much anyone that was twenty plus percent owned I just x out. Okay. In a full in a full field, like in a 156 person field, like no one is 20 percent. Like no one, like yeah, there's no 20% golfer likely to win or yeah. Right. Like on a 15 game slate, are you going to be playing 25 percent batters? Right. Right. Like it's the same type of thing. Like there's no not even Mike Trout, not even Juan Soto. There's there's no one that that's that's that successful that's worth to play at that ownership. Right. But the problem comes in is that you know anyone that's high owned like like. One of them is one of them is winning. <laughs> I mean, like just yeah. it's like there's, you, it's 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 almost impossible to build line. Like, and I I'm I'm going through past CSVs and I'm studying other people's lineups and it's just like everything, and and then when I take away mine, it's like I'm trying to play the low owned stuff and trying to yeah. flip ownership and do that, and then I find that my lineups are actually much worse than lineups that are chalkier. But the difference right. is between the chalk of your lineups or nothing. Like, it's like, so it's like, so like, what's what? How could any of these lineups be plus EV? Like, everyone has like similar yeah. lineups, and they all, if you simulated it out, like they all have. It's like there's like ten thousand lineups. It's it's so it's like this. It almost seems like a lottery to me. Yeah. Because if I try yeah, to I mean, apply that's... game theory, I end up getting worse lineups. Yep. And then if I 
play like, okay, well, I'm just going to get about this ownership and whatever. It's like, okay, there's about 50,000 of these combinations and they're yeah. all about equal to each other. I tried at one and they point. Just play so with, awesome then, I guess it's just, a, it just to me, it feels like a raffle, right? Because it's like, yeah. I'm going to play 150 of these and someone else is going to play another 150 and we're all about equal and just come down to like, uh, who wins the raffle this week? Yeah. So I tried at one point, uh, I, I didn't end up, actually using this strategy but i started to try to use the awesome top golfers tool or i don't know if that's what it's called but similar to the top stacks in baseball tool where they give you the uh percentage owned and then the uh odds of being top six and kind of trying to use it in the same way to like use that to shape like every player's exposure and then as i was going through it it was like man every player is going to be like two to five percent every golfer is going to be like two to five percent own based on you know using the same strategy i'm pretty sure that's not how you want to play pga dfs uh so yeah i I definitely have not figured out how to find any kind of edge there well it's it's, Um, it's just like what you mentioned with the top pitchers tool it's like the top pitchers tool would say that all all the all the four highest owned pitchers are over owned yet they're also the highest rejected pitchers and you probably should play them anyway Right. right. Yep. Right. Yep, you still, exactly. you still probably should write. I mean, that's, that's yep. the, right. In, in golf, it's like Paul Casey's 7,200 for no reason. And he's going to be 32% owned yet. That's what he, and then you, like, he should be that. Old. I mean, and then like, how right. is that possible? It's 150 people in the field. How, how is, no, nope, but, but that, that, but that's what, the, that's what kills you as, yeah, as exactly. someone that plays like us. It's like, yeah. Like oh, thirty two percent on golfer. This is easy, easy. Get out of yeah, here. Not and then play he, that he, guy. T four, yep. and you're like, come on, can I, can I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. And then you you play you play the six percent on golfer that projects for pretty much the same as the twenty two percent on golfer, and your your guy leads off with like three double bogeys, and you're like, yeah, like dude, you couldn't even give me a sweat. You couldn't, you couldn't even. You're plus six after five. Like you're, you're, you're like this is. Yeah, I just, I just, you unstar them in your PGA app, like after, by Thursday at eleven in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's only yeah. once a week. I, I think PGA would be more bearable if they were like, if it was more of a daily sport. Oh yeah, for sure. Like if they play like at all... the whole event. I'm talking about the, like if they played two or three events a week. Yeah. Then it feels right. like it feels right. You you feel like you you get something like. Having those lineups yep. on Saturday where it's like, how many six out of sixes do I have? Three, right? Yeah. And then seeing the other 100, 147 lineups and going, can I hide these? Can I mean, can I, like, do I, I, you can't even use the all tab because it's like, like, the, I know I lost that money. You don't have to constantly remind me of that. Yep. I hate that. Yep. Just stuck in there. You can't get rid of the golf. Same thing. Well, it's different this year with best ball. I know you don't play best ball, but last year for a while, I had so many best ball lineups and they're just in my contests show, showing up in my contests uh, on DraftKings. And that was not enjoyable <laughs> having that all there. So, yeah. And I like foot. See, to me, I like the football season because yeah. even though we like the main slates are pretty much our Sundays. Yeah. But I feel like we get enough diversity now. Like I, I feel, I feel like in NBA and MLB, it feels like, it feels like a grind. Oh yeah, because pretty much every day is this. You're repeating the same day over again. Yeah, obviously different slate sizes. You know, you may have you know Thursdays in MLB. You have the five game early and the eight game late. I mean, so you get some type of you know something there. But I feel like in NFL, it's like okay, Sunday is the big is the biggie, 
right? Yep. You get Sunday Classic. Then you still enter like your 4 p.m. afternoon contests. Of course. Yeah. All right. So you get the little short slate. So you get this big slate yep. that, that, that everyone's looking forward to. Yet you And you still get the short slate. That's you could be a short slate specialist. And then Sunday night football. <laughs> and then, right. Then you get Sunday night football, which is showdown. Yep. Right. So you build your line. So now that everything's winding out, now you get showdown. And then you get Monday and Thursday. You get Monday night football, which tends to be a good game. And yep. you get a showdown between good teams. And then yeah, on Thursday the night, best. you're like, you're playing a showdown contest where you don't feel like rostering any of these guys. <laughs> do, do you play any uh, flash draft? No, no. I, I tried. Okay. The, the <laughs> duplication factor is too much in it because there's only they only give you like three choices six times. So so early on, I was crushing that when, when they when they first started. And it was mostly just because I would take the kicker. Like nobody takes the kickers. <laughs> I would take the kicker. He'd be 6% owned and I'd win. And I, and I won several times i think i i think last year i didn't do nearly as well i stopped playing as much too but i think that i i think a lot of people kind of figured it out a little bit put a, applied a little bit more of the the game theory to it and uh well also the choices sometimes are just awful like you look and you go yeah there's one clear choice that's going to be projected way yeah. high i mean like yeah well and it's like it's in game so sometimes it'll be well, this wide receiver has been ruled out for the rest of right, the game, exactly. like, and you're and he's one of the multiple choice options. So, <laughs> so yeah, it takes away a little bit, a little bit of the strategy there. But that's kind of sometimes that can be an edge too, because there's one guy in the field of I forget twelve or I, I don't remember how many it is, but one guy who still plays him, like who has not been keeping up with the game, and right. so the same thing for the second half. They do the second half showdowns. Yeah, right, right. And so you, like, you you base it on. You know, there's something, there's something else. I mean, that, that quarter by quarter showdowns. Yeah. Who have. starts with the ball? Who's going to start with the ball this quarter? Right. It's like, that's a big. <laughs> but do you, I feel like there's enough different, like, I feel like that NFL week, it feels like this really like to me, the NFL week for DFS starts on Tuesday. Like okay. Tuesday is like the first time I yeah. actually may look at the sure. salaries and go, okay, what do I have to look at? Maybe not even Tuesday's the day off. Yeah. To right. me, Tuesday is the rest day, right? Wednesday is the first day because Wednesday is the, the practice day, right? So you'll get some yeah. practice reports in your timeline and you start yeah. looking at salaries and you go, okay, I could see this team being whatever. You look at the totals and whatever. Then Thursday, you get Thursday night football. It's the Browns versus the, it's, it's going to be two horrible teams probably. Uh, yeah. Right. The, the game has a 37 total. Uh, and so you play that and you're just excited to play because it's like, it's been three days without football. Right. So it's just yeah, like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't exactly. care that these two teams suck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Give me some football. Yep. Right. And then we typically on the Thursday night slate, uh, all the sharp players or some of the sharp touts or whatever make the, it's every, th every Thursday, there's going to be some tweet about how the defense is overowned. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Right. Cause they always yep. are, uh, on yep. the, uh, the low total games. Uh, yep. and then Friday, when Friday comes around, now it's like, Okay, who's in, who's out? Now yeah. you start devising strategies in your head. Then yeah. Saturday night, you're like, okay, I'm putting stuff together. And then Sunday, it's just like you wake up You wake up early. It's like 10 in the morning. There's some live streams you listen to. You put the headphones on. You tweak your lineups. And then it's yep. red zone. And basically, you're just mainlining football until oh, like yeah. midnight. So I, for, for me, the main slate... I don't really get into it until Sunday. Like, I mean, I, so I listen to some podcasts throughout the week, but it's more like entertainment. Like it, I'm not actively thinking about the slate right. until Sunday morning, but then Sunday oh, morning. So you're, so, oh, 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 hold on. So you're not, you're, you're not building 
So you don't even build any lineups until Sunday morning. I mean, I build my one like dummy lineup. Right, it's right. Just like going. But yeah, no, I I don't build lineups till Sunday morning. Even yeah. even if there's no threat of like inact. I mean, I can understand like 11:30 inactives, that type of thing. But you don't. You no. Don't, you don't even. St- wow. I, mean, I, I, think, I think I'm a little bit more strategic than like I typically. Yeah. Typically, I build my I build my lineups on Saturday afternoon. Okay. Because then I do my Saturday night stupid whatever stream thing. Yeah. And yell at people and then but yeah, Sunday I'm also morning not if, doing if content you, for it. So. Right, right. But it but it but to me, unless I think something's gonna change by eleven thirty in the morning in actives, I why not just get a head start? And also, but yeah. I, I get maybe maybe the slight difference between me and you is that like in baseball, I'm not going through lineup by lineup going like, should I be playing this guy with that guy and this guy with like oh, yeah. I'm like in baseball it's just I'm playing teams. So it's just like right. Ding and just like you you just like a shotgun and just whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, right. NFL Same. are much more methodical. Yeah. So so I know you do a lot of like secondary stacks and right. stuff like that, and I haven't really built secondary stacks into my process much yet. I think I, I I'll sometimes you can in Fantasy Cruncher. I don't know if uh, the uh, lineup, lineup HQ. HQ you can do the same thing. Uh, you can you know, set correlation. So like a, a, a slight positive correlation between, you know, this wide receiver and the wide receiver on the other team or no, you know, no, something we, like we, that. We can't do that yet. I, I, okay. I would love, I would, it, it, in, in uh daily rotos optimizer, it's a boost function. Okay. So like, like basically right. saying like, if this guy is in the lineup, boost this player's projection by 15%. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's very, it's a very similar to that. Now you could do that in groups in lineup HQ. I'm hoping, I don't know. And maybe we do the, the correlation boosts for, for this coming season. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Um, well, I mean, that, that's what I use for in fantasy crunch, right? I set groups to do that too. So I, so I just set a group with only, you know, two players in it sometimes. So is it, is it different than that? I mean, I'll, I'll use the groups feature to say, you know, if I'm playing Brashad Perriman, then boost, uh, yeah, but you, see, Marcus see, Valdez Scantling by 5% or 10% or whatever. Right, but you're doing the boost. So you're more likely to get them in lineups. I, I would have to, I have to hard code that. Okay. Which means like, if I'm playing, like it's, it's going to be all or nothing. There's no like boost. Okay. 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 Right. So like, uh, so for instance, uh, if I don't want, like a lot of times I don't want to play possession receivers as one-offs. Okay. Right. So like the Randall Cobbs, right. The, yep. Those, those types of guys. Right. If, uh, so, uh, I'll only play them in stacks. So, right. for instance, for like, I mean, take a if if uh, I don't I don't I don't even know the fucking players anymore, all right? Because I, I don't, I don't pay attention to anything. Uh, like, I'm trying to think of a team. Like, like Al, like, picture the Bears. Like the difference sure. between Allen Robinson and, let's say, I am playing some Anthony Miller. I know he's. I don't think he's on the team anymore. I think Darnell Mooney. Right, Dar. But I think Darnell Mooney's not not a not a possession receiver. All oh, right, but okay. uh. Uh, like a guy that's not really expected to get like high A dot targets, right? Sure. Not going to rack up a punt. Like the only way he gets a lot of yardage is if obviously the pa- if they're, they're passing a ton and the quarterback does well. Uh, right. So like I'll set the rule, a conditional player of like Anthony Miller and say that if Anthony Miller's in the lineup, it has to be in lineups with uh, whoever, who had Trubisky or Dalton, yeah. whoever, whoever the, Bears court, whoever the quarterback or, yeah. is. So yep, it forces it them into stacks and not as one-offs. Right. Allen Robinson, I don't mind as a one-off. So, you know, right. I don't have whatever. Because he could catch 
right. ten passes and yeah. Right. Or maybe a tight maybe there could be tight ends. And yeah. I, and you could set you could set a lot of these like I could set tons of groups. Like you could even set types of things where defenses it automatically you can make it so defense versus offense doesn't happen. But sometimes yeah. like maybe maybe I don't mind the defense, you know, quick t- touchdowns bring the ball back to the other team. And maybe in some lineups, maybe I want the wide receiver on the opposite side of a defense. But, like, right. I can't do the percentage. I can't do, well, if I boost him by 20%, he's more likely to be in lineups, but he's not guaranteed right, to be in right, lineups. Right. I could only do it in the, that's why do you think, yeah. like, if you if you studied my lineups from last year, you see so, you see multiple correlations because I am forced to, yeah, right? Like constrained in the, so, yep. so what I end up doing is that in lineup HQ, there's actually a, a stack, a, a secondary stack tool okay. that you could just cool. make okay. it so that position versus like I, in half of my lineups, I want a wide receiver at right running back, wide receiver, tight end, running back, wide receiver, tight end, opposite team. So it's like, right. So I guess but, I, I could do that in fantasy country right. too. Yeah. But I'm still going by projection. So the point is, is that I'm still eliminating lineups that don't project well enough for that correlation to even occur. Right. right, so you're looking down in lineups that it's like, yes, you're right. You got all three correlations in, and the lineup projects 25 points lower than right. other lineups. The correlation isn't worth it then. So, like, some of those correlations just never end up happening because right. it's just that it gives up too much projection. But when it's even, when it comes down to, do I play this running back and this wide receiver or 2v2 and I'm only giving up point two points, I'll take the yeah. ones where they're opposite sides of the game. So that's right. that's the only reason that... I end up with a hundred lineups that have like, wow, you have three, like it's, it's a three plus one stack and two one plus right. ones and a, yeah, and a, yeah. and a, and a, and a, you know, a one-off tight end or a one-off running back or something like that. And you go like, how the hell do you make those types? Like they, just, well, cause I have to force things in, right, yeah, right. Right. I can't do the boost. I wouldn't get that correlated, but obviously yeah. I know I'm locking myself out of like, if both sides of the game don't go off, like I, I'm ruining lineups. Sure. But I'm, I understand that the projection still has to be close enough. So I'm not, right. I'm not doing that saying all my lineups have to yeah. be like that. And if it doesn't project, well, yeah, because that would be stupid. Right. Right. But you don't get to fit. Obviously if I'm doing stuff like that, doing it at 1130 in the morning before one o'clock start, it's like, yeah, like it's, it's going it, it takes, it's it, gonna take it, a little time. It, it takes me to, it typically takes me, between two or three hours to build my NFL lineups. Because yeah. then I, so, also I, mean, scro- I, I also scroll down. I also want to manually check them all. Oh, yeah. Right, because so you look I, through and you go, wait, did I fuck up and leave a group out or something? Yeah. And Right. Right. But you're, so do- I, you're I, doing it You're doing it similar to your your other sports, maybe not 15 minutes before. No, yeah. So I, I say I do it the morning of, but I do wake up early. So, like, it NFL starts at noon here in Minnesota. I'll wake right. up sometimes as early as, like, 8 a.m., which is super early for me. <laughs> Definitely not a morning person, but I'll wake up early to do my NFL. Cause I do, I like to do tons of crunches to kind of, mm. you know, figure out how the directions that I want to go. I don't just, you know, do, do one and I'm done. Like I do sometimes, sometimes I do that with MLB. It'll be like, I'll do one and I'll be like, that'll work. <laughs> NFL, I'm definitely going to be adjusting ownership or adjusting projections to get closer to what I want. And I run several before I get there. Right, but you're you're pretty much, but you're spending about the same amount of time. It's just you end up doing it Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I'm not a morning. A I'm not a morning person either. Yeah. So to me, I I I feel I feel like I'm more of a night person. 
So my more productive from a menta- from a mental perspective is going to be at like I try like on Saturdays I try to make my lineups the same time that I would make my MLB NBA lineups. So it's six seven o'clock. Okay. I feel like that's yeah. my best like mental state. I'm used to that time okay. period. I'm used, and but the morning stuff like no, I dude I I do an eleven o'clock a.m. show. Sometimes I don't wake up until ten thirty. Yeah, to do this. That's like, how I like, and I'm roll and I'm and I roll out of I roll out of bed, going yeah. like half the time, literally half the time. I'm like, should I should I just cancel it for today? Like I I feel like going back to sleep. Like I'm yeah. not a morning person. So to and I do wake up at like eight thirty nine o'clock in the morning for NFL on NFL okay. Sundays. Yeah. But to me, it's the getting like I'm doing that because I'm waking up. There's some the Roto Grinders has a stream or Awesomeo has a stream or and yeah. it's. It's I, I don't drink coffee anymore, but it would be the type of thing where get my coffee. I yeah. got everything set already. I may tweak some things, but I know I'm relaxed. Get yeah. everything set. Maybe I'm setting my like afternoon. I, I'm entering my afternoon contest or something. And yeah. then then I can casually. Is there anything surprising in 1130 inactives? And if there is, then I start. To, but it, it feels like I could go through some lineups. OK, I'm going to switch this around with that around. Should I really have this much Joe Mixon? Maybe I can right. eliminate some of these lines. Like it's much more yeah. leisurely. It's not. It's not NBA. It's not NBA DFS. Where right. six fifty three. Oh my god! No switch this out, nope. and then I got yeah. three spreadsheets open, and like I don't want that. And then it's the rest of the night too with NBA. Right. There's so many. But at least it's at night. Season. If it was yeah, eight yeah. in the right. morning, oh, no, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. play. I mean, I wouldn't. I yeah. would not be in the mental state. I'd be half asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so. You're making me think that I probably could do NFL a day early. Maybe it's just because I'm so used to the other slates, and I, I hate redoing things. So that's part of it too. Is I'm like, I don't want to leave open the possibility I'm going to put in all this work, and then the next day it's going to be for nothing because there's some player got ruled out unexpectedly. Yeah, but you'd um, know so that maybe, beforehand. See, see, before on Saturday night you'd make two builds for that. Okay. So no, that, that's like, what I like. I mean, we have those. I'm talking about like players you're not expecting, like out of yeah. Nowhere, but I mean, how stuff. often does that happen? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, it doesn't happen that often. Ezekiel, I guess that's we, the we had that at Tony Pollard one, right? That yeah. was the, un- but then I don't mind doing that one because no, you couldn't possibly, 1130, once he was inactive, I just take Tony Pollard and I almost, pre- I go, give me yeah. 80%. Slam. Right, exactly. Yeah. Almost a lock button. Yeah. Right. But so, so there's, even if you did it at eight o'clock in the morning, you would have never known you would, you'd be redoing it anyway. So anything I can understand of situations where like the guy could be out or could be in. But even then, you could kind of, you're not going to know Plan that till le- you're not going to know that till yeah. 90 minutes before lock anyway. True. So you're going to be redoing that no matter what. So either you're going to do it twice by either reacting at ele- at 90 minutes before, or you're just going to make two builds. Yeah. And go at 11:30. I have two CSVs. Which one am I using? Yeah. But then there's also so like. I guess with NFL, maybe maybe ownership projections don't change as much as other sports. Maybe because I've never tried doing it earlier, I don't really know how much things change. But like NBA and MLB, I feel like even ownership can change late in the day, and that'll change how I want to approach it. So my concern with doing it a day before would be like, well, maybe this player is you know showing up as five percent right now, but then tomorrow it's going to be twenty percent as you know the ownership catches up. Doesn't happen. Now, okay. any. The, 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 no, the closer that you get the clock, the less ownership is going to change. I mean, even when news, even when news happens. Yeah. Like the, okay. th- that's why I say if anything happens on Sunday morning, you jam and you jam it. 
Yeah. In large well, so scale, because what... people don't, but anything that's in content, if something happened on Wednesday, by Saturday night, the ownership will be efficient. Because okay. there's no, what, what ownership will change from Saturday night to Sunday morning? Yeah, I guess that's true. Like what, what, what would happen? I mean, yeah. like, I don't, maybe, I, like, like maybe there are no touts big enough to kind of change the whole. All the content is already out. So like, right. Yeah. So like, it's already, it's already done. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing anyway. Huh. It's not going to change your I, I have not noticed that. Right. I, I, okay. I've not noticed that. Some, that Adam Thielen is 8% owned on Saturday night and then 23% owned when I wake up 20, uh, at Sunday morning in the projections. Okay. Like, I, I, right. I, 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 I don't see that. 2%, maybe 1% or 2%, maybe. Okay. But typically it doesn't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Ask, ask, ask Alex. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't, I don't maybe notice that it moves. So am I convincing you to do it the night before? Kind of, yeah. Now I'm but thinking I don't, about see, it. See, truthfully, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> from from a superstitious perspective, you right, your process you won the millimaker. Yeah, why? So change? why why why, why fuck with it? Right? I mean, yeah, because that's obviously right. the reason why you won. Yeah, it's because I did it the day off. That's the only right. re- yeah. That's what your that's advice you to new players. That's my advice. Do it right. day off. Yep. Don't start until a few hours before lock at most. <laughs> yeah. And that's all they advice. need is all they need is your magic or opt- magical optimizer settings and press the button. It'll tell you. Who to play? Which lineups to play? Right. Yeah. Right. And no one gives the no no one gives their own personal settings and and anything that they say on on shows they're doing the exact opposite. Right. <laughs> I love that. So the other thing with that with the because uh, I've seen that with with Alex Baker a few times. So say on the show, I, I remember from a few years ago it was like I really like the Pirates today. Like they're a low owned stack. Like they're going to do well. And then seeing somebody like call him out on Twitter afterwards, like he said he was, he loved the Pirates today, but then he won with this lineup with the Angels stack. And it's yeah, like, he, it's had like lineups. he has a ton of lineups. Like he's going to, he's going to usually win with not his favorite lineup. Like that's uh it's always funny to me seeing how irrational people are. Well, do they think that he's putting in 150 Pirates lineups? They must. I don't know. I don't know what they think. Right. But. Right, but that, but that's what it, you could make plus EV. I, I mean, what I tell people is that most slates, you could take a five-man stack of any team and build a lineup that would be profitable over a hundred thousand slates. There may not be many of yeah. some of the lowest teams, right? Right, but at their ownership and their projection, depending on who yeah. you put in the rest of your lineup. Obviously, the one percent owned, nothing percent owned, lowest owned, lowest probability team. You're most likely jamming in the highest rejected guys, no matter what yep. their ownership is at the other positions. Yep. But that lineup, that specific lineup, may actually be. It may not be heavily profit. It, it may still. It may be profitable. It may yep. win somewhat enough of the time first place that it does end up being profitable. Now you change two of those players, two of the one-offs to two other guys. Maybe that stack, maybe maybe there's literally only one lineup with that stack that is plus EV over that sample size. Maybe there's 10, right. maybe there's 50. Obviously the better projected lower owned teams, there may be hundreds of them, right? I mean, they may be. Right. So, yeah. so your choice is like that one lineup, that Pirates lineup with jamming and everything else may actually have the same EV as some like chalky lineup or something like that. Right. Right, it may they may both based on the rest of your right, yeah. right. The this lineup may not cash often at all, but when it wins, it wins everything. It yep. just wins once every god knows how many. And this well, other one may win stacks, cash right? more, right? But yeah. but that but th- to me those th- to me those are the concepts, and and it's not it's not 
you have to you have to think nonlinear. Like it's 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 a weird. That's why that's why it's it's weird to me. Like as a lawyer, is that is that a, is that something that you think of like as a law? Because you have to, it's almost it's it's not cognitive dissonance. It's the fact that like you could have a ten thousand answers that are right to the same problem that have all right. different variables. It just yeah. depends on what specific thing happens today. But since yeah. you can't predict what's going to happen today, the probability of these ten thousand things are all equal. So there's no correct, like, which one is the right answer. It's just, as long as you play one of those 10,000, if you screw you too far away from that, then then you're not going to win often enough. So, right. like, to me, the good, the, the sharpest players, like we mentioned before, are building 150 outcomes yeah. that have high enough probability versus their, their, uh, their ownership that they don't know which one of the 150, but... But then, then it comes into exactly. that criticism, which is which is people don't understand correlation versus causation. That people right. only win because they only have one hundred because they have one hundred and fifty. Oh yeah, right. It's yeah. like well, good good. Build one hundred and fifty bad lineups and see how how quickly you go broke. Because yeah, because right. you could play you could play one hundred and fifty great plus EV lineups and still go broke. Right. Yeah. So imagine imagine playing one hundred and fifty bad lineups. Yeah. And then no, it, then it gets into what's a good lineup and what's a bad lineup, and I think that's where that singularity occurs where where you it's it's not about the players anymore it's just just right just building plus ev lineups but that's what i try to do in the course i I mean yeah i mean but to me that's the that's the that's the biggest step and what i i think it's more valuable than like learning r oh yeah no i agree like I feel like I have uh, evolved in my thinking about what I would do if I quit my day job, went DFS full time. There was a time a few years ago, a couple of years ago, maybe even where my dream was to make my own projections. And I was like, I'm going to make the most precise projections and I'm going to have more factors in my projections than anybody else. And I'm just going to crush it. And now I have zero desire to do that because I'm like, no, my project, like I use Osmo projections and I, I adjust them based on ownership. But it's like, I just don't see the the value in doing that when there's already good projections out there. And I don't think that that's how you win. And I know, and, and there are top players who do build their own projections, but I feel like now I'm like, I move more to like, if I had more time, I would study what the top players are doing more. Like I want to see what, how Broronosaurus Rex keeps on, or Broronosaurus Flex keeps on having the top lineup every night or aha bro. I want to, I want to study those lineups because I feel like they have, uh, the game theory. They, they have better game theory than I have. I think is is how they are winning every night. Or they get lucky. Obviously, obviously not every night. Right. But but a large a larger uh, portion than is is uh, would be expected of anybody. So. Yeah, but I don't think that. But truthfully, their process is, isn't that dramatically different than what we're doing. Probably not. Yeah, not dramatically. Like but I, like I I don't think if you can name all the you can name you know the cults and Alex like Brick. Even yep. whistles go like all, all across the board, and even lower stakes. I mean, like we're we're mentioning people that we know. There's there's tons of people yeah, yeah. that I respect that no one knows who they are, right? right. I know their usernames, and I know it's like here's a sharp person. They only play twenty lineups, but I'm like, yeah. I know, I know, I know they're good. I mean, they're doing what I did three years ago. Yeah, not play yeah. 150. They're playing twenty lineups into the contest. I see people yeah. in the mini. There are people that are playing the mini max. That are just they're really yeah. just as good as some of the top players. Just that sure. they currently only have a two thousand dollar bankroll, 
So now yeah. they're going to be, they're going to end up becoming monsters three years from now. Yep. Uh, but I don't believe, no, no one is doing anything dramatically different than what we're describing. It's just yeah. the process of how to get to the, to those answers, maybe right. coming from all different types of hubs. They're doing something where it's like, I mean, some use simulations more, some, some use heavily lean on projections, but their projection model is so different that they're automatically gaining yeah. leverage that they don't even have to consider ownership anymore. But like in baseball, I think even, even among the top players, there's a difference in like how many stacks do I want to play? Like I heard you mention on your show and I haven't done this line. episode, but you mentioned like Ricky D only plays a few different stacks right. and like really focuses on certain teams. Uh, and even aha bro, when you were talking to him, uh, he was saying that he limits it to like the top 10 or 12 stacks or something. Whereas I feel like my, my process still, I'm usually more spread out than that. Not always, but like on a 15 game slate, I'm going to play a lot more than 12, 12 teams in my five man stacks typically. And I feel like what I would like to do is study, you know, which lineups are they eliminating? Are they eliminating like the hard, like the highest owned stacks? Are they eliminating like based on the, like if I look at the top stacks tool, are they eliminating the, the most negative leverage stacks? Like where do they find those lines is the kind of thing that, it, I mean, it, it's a similar process to mine, but I feel like, you know, I still have, uh, I'm more spread out than a lot of the top players and probably less spread out than some too, but, uh, yeah, but you know, that's a matter that's of, of risk tolerance. That's not like, yeah, that's true. Like, like giant squid is very similar also. Like is spread out or is no, he, no, is he, very uh, condensed. condensed. Just like, okay. I'm going to take a bet on th basically three, three stacks. And just, if they would, like, I have a million shots. Like, yeah. it's like, here's like, you see ownership of like exposures of like 40 to 50% on like a whole bunch of people. And it's yep. a large lane and just like either they do well or they, I mean, but uh -huh. to me, that's not a strategy. That's just a vert that they believe those are the three best spots and they're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on it. Right. And okay. you, to me, I do the same thing when I play a single entry or a three max contest, right? I'm playing the yep. 121, I'm playing the 250, four max. And I'm like, okay, in my hundred set or whatever, like I'm playing 14 different stacks at different, you know, what am I playing the most of? What? Where do I think right. I'm getting the most? Well, that's going to yeah. be in my, that's going to be in my, my single entry line. I mean, like no matter yeah. what what it is, I and also I know that in the single entry three max stuff that the people are even that the ownership gets even more condensed. So I'm more right. likely like that Boston Toronto game from yesterday. It's like I ain't I ain't touching it in this in this one twenty one. I'm just like not, if I just don't touch this game, I could just build whatever the hell lineup I wanted. I thought I thought Cincinnati and Philadelphia were the two two best, you know, in comparison to their ownership based on my little cheat sheet here. They uh, did pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that they, they did do well. Right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't win the contest or anything, yeah. but it's like, but I had a lot of them in my normal MME set anyway, but yeah. like, but it, to me, it's the same thing. Like, but what they'll do is they'll identify, you know, I had Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Washington, and Chicago, and they'll just basically say, I want 25% of each. Yeah. Uh, five man stacks and then whatever fits in the rest. It, and, and they may have, you know, Toronto one-offs. They may have three mans of yeah. some other thing, but it's like they pick four teams and then, you know. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Or the pitcher, they may pick four teams and have 90% of one pitcher. And the 90% huh. of one pitcher may not even be the most owned pit. It may be the pitcher that's 5% owned and huh. and he's, they're playing 90% of them. And it's like, yeah. that's their, that's their core. Yep. And then they rotate around, but they have to realize that over the scope of, 162 game season, you know, 180 yeah. slates or whatever that, you know, yeah, they're going to put in three, $4,000 and get 
Some nights get a hundred dollars back. Yeah, there's right? gonna be some downswings. They, you got to have a bankroll and some mental fortitude, I think, to uh, <laughs> to do that because that'll be some pretty huge downswings. Right. If you I don't mind imagine. me asking, what 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 has been your largest downswing? We all know uh, what so, your your biggest upswing is. Yeah. It's so a million dollars, obviously. From from the day after the milli to April twenty. It's, it's funny that it's right after you, right? Because you're like, well, I, I could, I, I could beat the world. I, why, why not? Yeah. Well, and you I got was, negative like, regression. Well, like you know, uh, I've, I've seen the advice. Like, well, if you're up for a lot, just slam in entries at the end of the year because, you know, every everything you win is going to be taxed, taxed anyway. at a forty percent rate anyway. Right. I don't know. That's. I don't think it makes sense, but uh, we won't go into that. Um, but yeah, I, I slammed in entries because I wanted to, and I had a lot of money at that point. Uh, I had a downswing of. I want to say around $150,000 downswing from, so it was October 26th to 420. <laughs> and then the next day I won $100,000 and I've been up, up, up since then. Uh, so so uh, basically $150,000 downswing between, so, uh, like that looks, sounds like a, what, a five month period? Yep. So okay, end so of October. That, that, isn't, that isn't over that, over for that length, for the volume that you play, isn't, that isn't all, it's yeah. weird to say some people listening may be going, well, that's a lot for that, yeah, right. For that time period, like my largest, yeah. my largest is thirty thousand over like four months. Okay, but also Which remember, I'm less. I'm nitty as fuck. So yeah, like, yeah, true. Right, so yeah, that's why. But I think I think I think someone mentioned on Twitter. I showed my. I mean, I show you show your road tracker on Twitter yeah. sometimes, and I do also. And I showed mine once or whatever, and people were responding. It's like, and I showed all the downswings, the little arrows, and, yeah. and people responded. So where are the downswings? Right. Right. They look yeah. and it's like doesn't look like mine. Right. It does. Right. It's like yeah. how come? How come you don't have? It's like first off, I play some cash games so that evens things out yeah. a bit, and uh, I don't play 150 max into every. I don't like. Yeah. I, don't, I think I might have been one of those people who was like, why? Why does yours look so? Yours looks like a ladder. Like it's just like steps up. There's no like, like dramatic like steps. Down. No, the ste- yeah. there are steps down. It just it's right. They're, they're not. But they're, they're not like deep steps. This, right. Not like yeah. right. Well, yeah. that well, the, the though the well, there's a difference between the steps and the slopes, right? Right. right. The slope. Yeah. The reason my my slopes are na- are shallower is because I play cash games, right? Right. Because because yeah. obviously I'm making enough money, so instead of losing money in GPPs day after day after day, I'm making a little bit enough, so that kind of like tilts it a little bit there. It's still yeah. going down, yeah. and then my step ups are you know obviously because. My losses aren't going to be larger because I'm not playing 150 lineups. Yeah. So like that that that's the only to me that's the only difference. But yeah, I mean those are yeah. But also it makes depends sense on your goal. Like you, I like you scrap like that. Right. Yep. It almost it almost feels like I have to justify myself. No, as, I mean as far as, I was just like when I responded, I was like, man, how can I make mine look more like that? Like, what is is it cash games? Like, what do I need to do to not ever have these? Because they can be pretty. pretty yeah, hard but the to problem take is that with the way that I play, you're never going to have these. Right, right. You're right, like have, you, yeah. like if you were playing like me, or at least fewer of them. Right, right. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you were playing like me last year, you wouldn't have won a million dollars. Right, that's true. Right, because yeah. I wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have been in the million maker. Right, right. right. Yep. So that yep. to me, that's that that's the risk reward. Those are the trade offs. Yep. Right, those yeah, are exactly. I and I absolutely understand that. It just it just yep. it, I always have to justify it because the pre- prevalence in the industry is geared towards show me those big screenshots and. It's like no, I I right. I I'll show you a, I'll show you ten ninety nine at the end of the year. I mean, right? Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not I'm I'm I think it's noble to want to try to make 
the most amount of money for the least amount of work and the least amount right. of risk. Yeah. And not and only because I and talk it's sustainable. To, right. Well, I just can't. I, I play poker, so I'm used to the upswings, downswings. I'm, it's not like I I don't know that. It's that like I can't fathom. Like I talk to other sharp players uh, that they could win a hundred. Like there's you could win a hundred thousand, you win fifty thousand, and you're down for the season. Right. And it's like yep. like dude, if I if I win fifty thousand at any point in this MLB season. I'm guaranteed a profit. Like, yeah. cause I, I just, I, and he's like, well, oh, cause you're playing low volume. I'm not, I'm still playing like $1,500 a slate. Like I'm not playing so, like no, it's just that I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm playing two entries into the 250. I'm playing one entry yeah. into the 121. I'm playing 60 entries into the large. Field. And on those bat flip days, that $18 contest, I'm playing on FanDuel. Right. right? Cause I, I'm not either. I'm only going to play about 40 lineups into that contest. Or I'm just gonna go and I'll, if I'm gonna play if I'm gonna play a lotto, let me play a lotto for four dollars and forty four cents. Yep, exactly. And play one hundred fifty entries those. there. Like, right. I mean, but to me, to me, that's that that's the basis. And I see these graphs that are like, dude, dude, you could get to the you could get to almost the same point without those downswings. Just, just play like a nit. Right. It's like that's boring yeah. as fuck. It's like, well, that. Yeah. Then don't, yeah. Then don't, then don't. That's oh, yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. I just want to get to the end. Like, like if uh, you're going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. At the end of the year, you have a hundred thousand dollars. Like, dude, I could right. go. I could get to the hundred thousand dollars by going. I mean, like, yeah. So why, yeah. Why not save myself the 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 ulcers? So for me, I just haven't had success at at cash games. Like, I would play the cash games and. But how about you know, the smaller field? I'm not even bit. talking about the cash games. How about the smaller oh, yeah, field yeah. stuff? Right. Yeah, that's true. Right, because I mean, like playing the five fifty five or the two whatever those levels types of thing. Not not necessarily the monster or the thunder, yeah. like the thousand dollar stuff. But it's like those those contests to me are much more. Like you're not you. I mean, you could just take your top projected, you know, build your hundred fifty set and put your number one lineup in or something like that. But to me, that's they're much more sustainable. The problem with those is that you, you're dealing with a lot sharper players. Yeah. Right. Well, like the the like, I know Eric at one point was saying that his favorite uh, Eric Bime for uh, was saying that his favorite contest is the one that's like two hundred fifty dollar entry, like a four max or three max, yeah, and then it's like a fifteen thousand dollars as top prize because it's a very I think it's a very flat payout structure, um, and I I have found that when I play those I'm like I rarely lose all my money if I if I enter four in there I'll get one in there, and I might lose four like I might put a thousand in and win back six hundred because right. only one gets in there, but I I, I think like from a sustainability standpoint and like a just trying to go like, you know, slow curve, that does make a lot of sense to me. Um, I would probably play those more. So, so like I said earlier, it would make more sense for me probably to play those if I just, because I'm afraid of having my best lineup in that contest rather than one where I can win 50 or a hundred thousand. Yeah, but you could, but I should you probably could just double play that the same lineup. Like, did, did, yeah, that's what, I'm, th- that's what right. I'm thinking is I should just do that. That makes sense. Right. Because it, it, it doesn't represent as much of an, ent- like if you want to, Put the two hundred and fifty dollar entry contest also in the bat flip for eighteen. What's what? Maybe you're give, maybe you're giving up a little bit of EV because you're really the the lineup that you're playing in the two fifty is probably not leveraged as much as it should be for the eighteen dollar contest. But right. if it gives you peace in mind, yeah, it's probably exactly. it's probably still plus EV in the eighteen dollar contest, just not high. You probably could build better lineups, but right. in comparison to two fifty, it's like what's the worst? I mean, then I could then I could understand it. Yeah. But to me, that's so, so much more sustainable. 
Yeah, for sure. Then, like, because I've been I've been playing on Fanduel more this MLB season, and I could tell you how frustrating it is, dude. I've I I think I think I've had this season like seventeen top twenties. Yeah, <laughs> and like eight, I think seventeen top twenties and nine top tens. It's a lot of a lot of steak knives. A lot of steak knives. One second place. One, I think yep, one yeah. second, a fifth, a sixth, and these payouts are fucking stupid. Fucking it's terrible. Money. They it's are the terrible. worst. But it's also what they need to do to suck in guys like me. <laughs> like I see, you know, first place is forty thousand. I'll probably enter that. If they do the same thing with a flatter payout structure, but top prize is fifteen thousand, I might not. Yeah, I might, and I, I do the complete, won't. and I do the complete opposite. When I see that and it's flatter, I yeah. max enter it. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Doesn't to me, that make love? Shouldn't it, that it make does. that make sense? I should do that. Yeah. What I wish they would do is just have larger contests, but I guess they can't fill them. Fill everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, but so. but to me, that's where the frustration part comes in. Is that you're, I'm placing lineups in the top point one percent. Yeah. And I'm down. Yeah. It's like no, I get that. Like that. I've had a lot of that too. Right. Well, everyone has, but yeah. but it makes it so much easier when you could just. Go to the small field stuff and be like, I know I'm playing against much better players, but the ownership condense. It's a different. It's a different type of game. You switch yep. on. You switch on your small field game. You build your lineups. Typically, that's what I do for MLB. I'll go out for a cigarette, right? I'll build my three small field lineups, and then come back. So you and don't it's drink. Like, you don't. You don't drink coffee. You don't drink alcohol, but you do smoke cigarettes. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> I, I can't haven't given up that addiction yet, right? Not yet. Okay. It'll, soon. Right. Soon. It'll happen soon, right? I was a good see. Never, never did any drugs, right? Wow. Never, right? Never smoked weed. Never, no, I don't like drugs at all. No recreational stuff. Never gotten drunk. Never in your life. Nope. Oh wow. Okay. I could count the amount of alcoholic drinks I could have in a year in like one hand. Wow. Right. Like okay. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't like the taste. I don't like the way. Why would you want to feel <laughs> that way? I don't even understand why you would. <laughs> but then when it comes when it comes to stimulant stimulants. That's yeah. a different thing. A pot of coffee right, right. and a pack of cigarettes? Give it to me. Sure. Right? Yep. Right. So I'm. So it's one of the. Other. I enjoy both. So I. Yeah. Right. But, but I, but I hear what you're saying. That, that's that's a, it's a stress reliever. It's a, it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. The only thing is I, I, I can't smoke inside because I'm because my wife and whatever. So that's why I have to yeah. go out, whatever. But that CSV tilt at 704. Pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So player. What? What? Why you player Q? It just you just chose that. <laughs> so that's kind of a funny story. Uh, so I, at one point, I thought that I was going to eventually be a tout, and I was, uh, and maybe I still will. But at one point, I thought that I was going to create my own site, and I so I reserved. I wanted to have like Player X. I thought it might be a good name for a website. And this is I don't know ten years ago at this point. Um, I bought the rights to several different names: Player Q, Player. W player six. I can't tell you what they were, but random letters and numbers. Right, you're talking about domain thought, names. Domain, yeah. Sorry, don't domain like, names. What the rights thought, to a name? Okay. Maybe this will be this will be my website someday. Will be playerq.com. Right. So that was one. So playerq is the one that I ended up with because I at one point got an offer through some website. Somebody offered me like, I'd like to buy playerq from you, and I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make a deal with you, and uh, eventually we basically made a deal for they would buy it from me for five thousand dollars and then they backed out okay. and so i was like okay i'm gonna flip this and make and at the time that was a lot of money for me like that was a lot of money i could have used a lot that of money, money for a domain name also yes for yeah, player yeah right. yes so i was i was excited about that 
So I thought I'm going to flip this. I'm going to turn it into a positive by making this like my my brand. This is going to be my website when I start, you know, doing DFS content. So it's going to be a good thing that I didn't sell this. It was sort of my was sort of my mentality that I decided, yeah, I should make this. I should use this brand. And now I don't do that at all. I'm not QAnon, so I want to be clear about that. The Q isn't because of of QAnon. Is there anything uh, at play? I'm going to playerq.com. There's nothing there. It's <laughs> yeah. just that uh, is available on GoDaddy auctions. Should I should I try to auction? Should I try to buy it from you? It's available on GoDaddy yeah. auctions, huh? Yeah, make an offer. I don't know. Or, I don't even know if, or still, all, if it's I, if it's at GoDaddy, I think it's automatically on your landing page, just okay. in case that you could sell it. Uh, can yeah. I ask you a brand? Uh, 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 since since I come from the the digital marketing background, sure. Uh, yeah. what, what, wasn't it a mistake if you're going to name yourself Player Q and buy the domain name? Wouldn't your DraftKings and and FanDuel username shouldn't it have been Player Q? If I had if I had thought of this, so I had already had those usernames <laughs> before the whole website thing. So I'm just, I got a bad, I got bad user. Nobody remembers my usernames on DraftKings or FanDuel. I feel like if I had a, a better name, people might have, I might have a little bit more name recognition among DFS players. What is <laughs> I, the a, like what is think. the AK stand? It's NC Orfield. So I'm assuming yep. that's Neil, Neil Colin, right? Yep. Middle initial Orfield. What's yep. a, what's the eight K? So it was uh, that was it was my AIM username in college. So I was a cross country runner, and 8K was the distance we ran. Uh, okay. Just like picked, you know, my 18 years old picking it going into freshman year of college. I was like, okay, this will be my instant messenger username, and I still use it. So why couldn't it, why couldn't your domain name be 8K DFS? It could have been. It could have been better than Player Q. I wish I wish I would have given this more thought. Right. <laughs> but I but I didn't. You had grand yeah. you had grand visions of. I had grand visions and not a lot of not a lot of thought went into it. Right, and now you see now how stupid that was, right? I do, I do. Right, <laughs> big mistakes made all around. But yeah. you're player Q DFS. But now that you're not player Q, why don't you just cha- why don't you change your Twitter name to NC Orfield eight eight K? Or 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 you don't do that because you don't care about branding anymore because you're just making money and who cares? That's part of it, yeah. Because yeah. I I no longer have like really given it much thought, uh, and you know. Now I'm like, well, so in in my interview with Osmo, he had, you know, at player QDFS at the bottom of my screen. So if people go there, I want them to be able to find me. Right. I I have that on the screen here for this also. Yeah. So that's so should I change it right now? And then you can put NCO for it. No, let's no. I'll stick with it for now. Maybe I'll think about changing it, though. Right. Made this page so I could talk about DFS without worrying about annoying my friends who don't care. Yeah. So basically no one in no one in your quote real life has any clue. They do now. They care more now. Oh, because you so won a million dollars. Yeah, now that I won a million dollars, they want to talk to me about DFS. They want to, they want to know how to play that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, definitely like. But before that, before that, it's. it's I mean, none. I don't think some of them probably would have told me, but some of them wouldn't have told. Some of them would have told me that they care. They want to hear my, my bad beat stories. But uh, but I, I wouldn't have believed them. So. <laughs> so now what? Are, now just, what do they ask you? I I mean I have friends who. Ask me about process. Ask me. Ask me about the plays on a given slate. Of course. Um, yeah. No, I mean. Do you tell them to look at the projections just, like I do? To just. Yeah. Right. Just go Basically. look at the projection. Play whatever you want. There you go. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to teach people like MLB the, you know, stacking that kind of stuff, the the rudimentary stuff. Um, I still don't talk a lot with my with most of my in person friends, at least my my real life friends. We still don't talk a lot of DFS. So. Yeah. And then, then I've got they got some cousins who are who are getting into DFS, and I talk with them about it. I had one cousin who actually got Fantasy Cruncher at one point, and I tried to like, you know, 
trying to teach him the settings and some of like my thought processes to go to go through it. And he he seemed to be picking it up at least. Um, I don't know that he actually won anything significant, but he seemed to be getting it. So maybe this year. How about fa- how about family and people like that? Mo- my my father still still doesn't seem to like he like uh, m- most most of my family thinks that I bet on sports. Oh yeah, oh for sure. And I I mean I think my mom would still like me to quit. Like she sees me me winning, I tell her about my wins, and she's still like, okay, but man, you're still taking you're taking risks. You got you got to stop doing that. <laughs> and it's uh yeah, my my family still doesn't entirely get it. I guess it's it's hard to hard to convince people that it is a skills based game. I think. No, I, 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 totally I, understand it. I, no, they, they believe it's a skill-based game. They just don't understand the mechanics. Like my mother-in-law right, right. would, would like if they came over and I, there was a game on or something like that, which team do you have? Okay. And yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. have team. Like, I'm just talking about like they don't even understand the concept of fantasy sports. Right, right. That you're taking people from like different – because my father – like I played fantasy sports when I was younger, but my, like, my, my father never did. He right. followed sports but never to that extent. So it's, it's hard to get out of that mentality of like – well, what team do you need to win? It's like, I don't even care who wins. I just need yeah. this guy to do well and that guy right. to do well. I think my, my family gets that at this point. Right. We've been, we've been talking about it long enough that they, they sort of understand the, the fantasy aspect of it, at least. They'd still prefer that I don't do it for the most part. But Why not? Oh, because you're, cause you're a lawyer and right? yeah, yeah. just do your right. law stuff. Do you, do, you yeah. think, do you think that you'd ever quit? doing law stuff and do this. I do. I do. I think about it all the time. Like I, I regularly think about, is it really worth it for me? Cause I, I make a lot more money at DFS than I do at my, my day job. Uh, and also it's a lot more stressful. Like it's a, uh, I'm on a, a quota system, a monthly quota system. So like right now it's kind of crunch time for me and I'm just like working long hours every day. And that's oh, also, so, so, I mean, so that's your, the, so your law job is more stressful. Oh yeah, it's way more stressful than DFS. So the the only reason that I keep the law job is because I have concerns that once I quit, DFS will become infinitely more stressful if I'm relying on the money as opposed to it's bonus money. Right. Well, that's why you put money. That's why you do. You want. You already have. A, you want a million dollars, right? Yeah. You have money in the bank, right? Can't retire on that though. <laughs> oh, you can. In some places, you can. Why not? Sure, that's true. Right. You get an eight percent return. I mean. I do have the benefit of a wife who has a good job. Her her day job pays better than mine does. So, so what <laughs> so the hell are you doing? I know, I know. I'm, do you I have think any about kids? It. I think about it all the time. No kids. Oh come come on! You have you have the dream. Come on. Listen, if I if I were a single man, I would have quit my job the day I won the million. <laughs> yeah, but you have but, what dependent? You, know. you have no dependents. I have no dependents. I have my wife and a dog. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But my but my wife is more risk averse than I am. Okay, and she I mean, she's still she's open to the idea. Just some, some. I'm not trying to. Know. I don't want. I don't want to be. I don't want your wife to get on me because oh, you that guy oh, yeah. convinced you to, to quit your job. But I mean, it's more no, important for first. you to be happy. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, it could. It could happen this year. It could happen this month. To be honest, I mean, not, well, it could happen. Not, it could happen after today's slate. <laughs> it could. If I if I win tonight, maybe that'll be the straw that that gets me to to quit my day right. job. And, but you know. could. But you always fill your time with other money making, and that you could find your way into other things. Yeah, it's true. Right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a, 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 the recur, I mean, obviously, because when, just like when I play poker for a living, like I also ran a game. So, like, I made money okay. from running. I mean, so, like, I'm not fully, rel- like, I will always want to get into the, pers- into the point where, like, can I do something that's related to what I'm doing that at least yeah. covers the bills? Well, I've thought about get like, getting into content 
somewhere i could right. think about doing that if i could find a, a content job maybe i would quit my job but it doesn't I don't pay know, that just... to trust me it doesn't pay that much okay it that's doesn't. that's what don't, i've don't, heard both don't. things i've heard people say like it doesn't pay that much and then i've heard you make more than a lot of people think you do so i don't know it i guess it depends on what you it depends on what you're doing it, de yeah, it right, depends right. on where you are it depends on what you're doing it depends it depends on a lot of things yeah I'm sure. it, it, it i mean just to, to put things into perspective i mean like at Roto Grinders, like I I make enough doing the shows all the time and everything like that to, to that it it it's nice, but it's not it's nothing that I could I I couldn't live off of it. Okay. But having my own thing to sell is a different story right. because then I right. I get all of the money, right? Like I get DFS, yeah. right? So like to me, I it's a it's a prong, but I mean I come from that type of experience. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, like you're like, oh, I, man, I don't know about quitting my job. It's like I, my, I haven't had a real job since I was 23. So like, yeah. So my, my whole, my whole thing is to whatever I'm doing, hustle and right. Yeah. If I'm doing stand up, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing video editing for other people. I'm doing website design for comedy clubs. I'm doing like, I'm trying to find wow. anything that I can to like, to not have to rely man. on. Okay. Right. To doing st just stand up to make a living. Yeah. You could do yeah, that and I think, for anything. I think honestly, I might be happier at, at least at this point, doing more of that than than a nine to five. I, I'm the only person in my family with a nine to five. My dad owned his own remodeling company. Okay, what does your uh, wife? My, what does your wife do? Oh, not include my uh, my nuclear family that I okay. was raised in. Not okay. my wife. Yeah. Any, so are like you my, are you originally from a Minneapolis area? Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm from. Was born in Minneapolis. I've, I've grew up. Uh, around the twin cities then went off to boston for for college lived in boston and, and brooklyn for a little while and then moved back here for law school and have been here ever since right brooklyn brooklyn new york right yeah yeah just time? for a couple of years there right where, just where, wanted where to gentrify brooklyn? for a while where in brooklyn? uh greenpoint okay polish area right okay yep yep very right. polish well, I, obviously I'm, I'm originally from brooklyn oh you're from brooklyn yeah okay i knew you're from new york i didn't know right. it was brooklyn okay yeah. where, but i where mean brooklyn, when, when i grew up in brooklyn uh, when I was a kid, Greenpoint was in, in and Bushwick and Bedstuy. That's where they dropped the bodies. That's, oh, really? That, that's where the mob. It's pretty pretty gentrified now. Yeah. Right, right. That, that's what I'm saying. It's like like I left New York when I was 27. I mean, it was already Williamsburg was gentrified. I mean, like all yeah, those areas. Yeah. I I had an apartment in uh, uh, Carroll Gardens, like Park Slope, okay. Carroll Gardens area. Nice. But I mean, I'm originally from Mill Basin, which is like South Brooklyn. Okay. Don't even know it. Sorry, you don't even know. Right. You didn't even go down. Yeah, you'll probably I mean, buy it flat, but the other end of Flatbush Avenue. Okay. If you have, if yeah, I mean, I, I was in, I was in Brooklyn for two years, I think not even two years. So I don't know most of Brooklyn, right, to be so honest. I was, I was mostly, there, in, right. I was in Greenpoint. I was in Williamsburg. I wasn't much, right. Much anywhere else. So. Okay. Doke. Player Q DFS on Twitter. And if you want to buy player Q.com <laughs> offers are being accepted. That's right. <laughs> unless you want to use that. Unless, unless, Less, I don't think so. You're gonna I, think get, I, I think I'm. I think that dream is dead. The dream is dead. You could you could do a QAnon DFS site. <laughs> That's it's an interesting concept. Probably suck some people in. Right, Todd, you'll probably be, pretend to, nobody knows who Q is. Right, maybe I'm Q. Right, probably suck sucker some people in to give no, me some money. No, you know what you do? You partner up with Tommy G. That's right. Yeah, me and Tommy. <laughs> That's, oh man, that would be interesting. Right, QAnon DFS. Why not? Yeah, love it. Right. Oh, and Good all idea. the conspiracy that's where all the DFS conspiracies lie. Right. <laughs> Who is Q? Right. Who that's set right. up the lot? Right. Yeah. You, cause you see that dude 
dude, go on some of these Facebook groups. I got to send you some of these links. Did there some? I'm 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 in Facebook groups. I don't participate or anything like that. Okay. I mean, Reddit is bad, but these Facebook yeah. groups that uh, you see, if there's a bad like, like we have these umpires like bad strike zones or whatever. Oh yeah. People that seriously believe that. The guy, the guy, strike three on outside of the plate. They got to stop letting the umpires play DFS. He obviously has DFS. <laughs> oh, like, I mean, like yeah. they, he obviously has DFS lineups. It's like, or, or, I've, or I mean, I've seen a lot of just on Twitter. I see plenty of conspiracy theories. Right. Did you see the uh, the the Broflex conspiracy? Yes, theory I saw the that other? on Reddit. Right, he's in a <laughs> fan that. That so No, but the, no, yeah. the laughable ones are the ones where it's like like. Uh, uh, Dan, Lillard is shooting bad because his friend has him in DFS. It's right, like, right, dude. The dude, the basketball players make more money than right. any DFS contest. They don't give a shit about your DFS, DFS contest. Yeah. If they wanted yeah. to give their friend fifty thousand dollars, they could just give them fifty thousand dollars. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. If any, funny. if anything, if if anything's being fixed, it's more of a betting market, and it's because the player owes money to some triad from China. That's going right. to kill their family. Like it's going to be, yep. if anything, it's that it's not because their friend has them in a DFS line. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad those people are playing DFS. Right. No, you should be the tout for them. Right. Yeah. Right. right. That's yeah. why player right. It's a good idea. Right. on DFS, right. Come for all the latest conspiracy theories. Right. And you don't even post your face or anything or anything. I mean, like, of course. Right. I mean, now that we've blown your cover, it's not, not a very good idea anymore. I'll post Tommy G's face. Oh, well, they wouldn't believe he's already it. right. You don't like, I mean, I feel like Tommy G among that crowd has like the ultimate. Yeah, uh, but he can't be Q. He has to know. Oh, yeah, he yeah. knows. Q. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's okay. the interpreter, I right? I follow, I follow what you're saying now. Right. Yeah. So you can't I'm, be I'm Q right. and I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Right. I got exactly. you. Okay. So player Q DFS on Twitter. Uh, you, you could see uh, Neil on, on probably, probably above you and, in contests in mostly every sport, NC Orfield 8K. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate coming on. I mean, this was a long episode. And I also pre- appreciate that the, 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 if you follow on Twitter, I, I consider you one of more, the more reality-based DFS players. Like we, po- we post- I try to be. Roto track. I mean, as far as being transparent and open, like, like you don't have to share everything, but I mean, it just, it's right. not all screenshots and not, and- and 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 genuine conversation where it's not people right. just fucking making fun of each other or ripping on everyone. Setting it's, up boxing matches. Right. Setting up boxing matches that never happen. Right. right. <laughs> Maybe we should do a buy. We do a charity boxing match. Yeah. I think I think uh I don't know that I want to box. Me neither. Doesn't interest me. That's that's why you. we do it. Two <laughs> okay, people right, that don't right, want, do it. Right. That don't have a beef <laughs> yeah. with each just other. Just forced to box. And yeah. forced to box, right? It's an interesting idea. Right? Can't we just like play darts? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to play with Siege. Okay. <laughs> right. Siege good plays point. Darts. Good point. Right. Well, I don't have 5,000 followers, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to get that other than maybe like yeah, seven people I know. or whatever. Whatever. Uh, as long as there's 20 to 25 witnesses there, that's all that matters. That's right. Right. Okay. Right. As always, you can get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. <laughs>